Do you think we're live, Graham? Are you I'm sure? I've just got to take my bloody microphone off mute. No, that that would help if you turn microphone on, <laughs> so people can hear your lovely voice. I'm trying to save energy. It's like the microphone. It's it's like the cost of living and all that. Oh, the cosy lives as the, the cosy uh, <laughs> The cosy lives. Oh, yeah. um, good evening, everyone. <laughs> welcome to uh, welcome to a live another live episode of Star Trek and with Nerdy Up North. I am one of your hosts, Captain Goodwill, and I am joined by the lovely, remarkable Admiral Donaldson. Hello, sir. Hang on, hang on. Have you just made yourself a captain? Are you actually? What have you done to deserve captain? Uh, excuse me. I made you an admiral. So <laughs> that's a thing. That's not a thing that captains do. That's not how promotion works. It is in my I, world, Graham. <laughs> I'm an admiral. That means technically I'm a villain. It's <laughs> like as we as we oh, saw yes. all of TNG, oh, all yeah. admirals are dickheads. All and admirals then we are have it in Picard, where like an admiral turns up and then everything goes to hell. It's like it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, but, like, yes. Admirals and Luxana Troy are the true villains of Trek. And, <gasps> and Keiko. And Keiko. There we Controversial go. opinion straight <laughs> off the bat, guys. Luxana Troy is a villain. And Keiko, <laughs> the passive aggressive wife of the greatest <laughs> Starfleet officer that ever lived, is a villain. What? I want to do an episode purely on Keiko because I'm I found myself being obsessed with disliking her, like and just being how unfair it is but then at the same time you're like i feel so sorry for miles oh my god <laughs> we are we are straight in tonight guys with controversial <laughs> opinions and none of it is relevant to what we're meant to be talking about it's just or me going it? off on one <laughs> <laughs> or is it? uh yes good evening everyone who's watching in live hello donna hello nerdy up north i oh. see you in the chat you sneaky little bucker um sneaky little donna hello donna we are here to discuss episode five of season three of star trek picard like i said i'm one of your hosts uh captain goodwill and we've got admiral dalton as the other host how are you? How are you I, this week? I am dead to the world. I am, you know, that weird thing where you actually experience burnout and you just, you, you like, you know, where you just go, wow, I can't actually think straight or function, but you have to keep going because you've got stuff to do, you've got deadlines and things. And it's weird. I've never pushed through it this far. But yeah, it's like, wait, I was up till half three last night. So my day yesterday was I wasn't in work. I got up at 9 a.m. and well, I went to bed at 1 a.m., got up at 9 a.m. and then was editing the Snatch Talk episode until half three. So how many hours is that? Like 16? I don't that's know. That's a lot of hours. Yeah. And then work today. So that's great. Uh, so, yeah. So but the thing that kept me going was waiting for Picard. Oh, Snatch Talk is out. If you search on YouTube for Snatch Talk that will appear. So watch it because that it's... took a lot of time. Um, but yeah, what got me through it was going, then I can rest on Friday and we can, and we can watch Picard. It's just, it's, it keeps yeah. me going, man. It gives me life. It's It's been a long old week for a lot of people. Um, same here. I'm, I'm feeling rather uh, burnt out. I've, this, this will be my fourth appearance thus far on Nerdy or North in somewhere or another. I am sure most people are sick of my uh, awful mug by now, um, but I am very much the same as you. The thought of Thursday and Star Trek Picard kept me going. Um, as you can see, eagle-eyed people behind, I've got the ship of the week 
Yet again, I have now got the Klingon bird of prey fully lit up uh, for all <laughs> you avid starship uh, aficionados. We need a theme. Um, we need ship of the week. Ship of the week. Well, we need to do it in like a really outward tour. Ship of the week. Ship of the week. Because that's how we all feel. Um, <laughs> that but is yeah. the mood. <laughs> but, but yeah, so... Uh, Thursday, Star Trek Day, and I received a lot of messages from a lot of people going, dude, don't go on social media until oh. you've watched it. And then I saw a tweet from Terry Metalis, who, by the way, liked one of my tweets this week. <laughs> plug, plug. <laughs> um, and there was a little tweet from Terry Metalis basically saying, if you like Star Trek, don't go on any social media. And I was like, oh, my God, someone's yeah. going to... And I was just like, something big's going to happen. But I watched it, and I watched it again today, and I'm like, yes, and I can't wait to talk about it. So <laughs> all of mine and Graham's energy is being diverted to our brains just for tonight so we can get through this review and share it with all of you. I mean, if only there was some kind of medium that we had to talk about what happened on this week's episode of Picard. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing if that actually existed? If if only, uh, if only. because it's just me and you in this Zoom call. It's no one else. Um, yeah, oh, it. there's a chat. What? Um, <laughs> well, I can't nerdy up north. Donna is our science officer. And oh, my God. Yes, I am here for that. Donna I being a science it. officer. Yeah, that no, I, I I agree with that. I think I think I'd like to be a science officer because we were talking about this because obviously, like my friend was going, "Oh, I've got my Star Trek like uniform sort of jacket kind of thing," and you've got mm. your captain, uh, yeah, 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 uh, shirt and whatnot. And I'm like, which one would I get? And I think I would. I think I would get science officer blue. I think I'd go Ooh. in the the steps of Jadzi here. I think. You do suit blue in your latest snatch, uh, snatch talk. You you do rock a rather stunning blue dress, and you also matched with the uh, the male yeah, with the well, eyebrows, which was it's beautiful. Really, it's really difficult because the week before I had like a denim dress on, and then this Ooh. week I had to wear that dress for a. Um, if you're just tuning into this, I'm a drag queen. Otherwise, none of this makes any sense. But uh, yeah. Um, the week before, I was wearing a denim dress. That I like. I just was like, "Oh, I haven't worn this in a while." And then this week, I had to go to a show and perform wearing a particular outfit. So I just kept that, and I was like, "Oh, bollocks! It's blue again." So I had like exactly the same makeup two weeks in a row. But uh, no one called me out on it, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> I, I think what you should do if you ever wear the blue dress again, if you want to be a science officer, just sneak a com badge onto the left hand side. Well, this is the weird thing. I was in, where was I? Uh, I was in Traveling Man the other day and they had like the little com badges that you can buy and it's like oh, official yeah. Trek merchandise. But I didn't, I never even noticed that they all changed depending on the season. So they had like the Voyager, they had the Voyager and the, uh, was it Voyager? I think it's Voyager and TNG yeah. com badges. And I was like, I yeah. did not realize they were different. Oh, and I'm like, oh, I might get a DS9 one if they exist the... somewhere. We we had oh yes the, the combat obviously with the monster maroons in the original series movies we had the the elongated badge and then we had the mm. next gen one which was nice and round we had the Voyager DS9 one later DS9 which was like the little gold bars yeah all um, oh, the all and then the latest new Trek there's been about seventeen different variations of uniforms and badges but at the moment <laughs> with Picard I think it I think it's the black I think it's black bars. Mm. Uh, for for Picard, so it's it's fairly fairly dark. Uh, probably nominated by an, a Dick Admiral, as we've uh, <laughs> established. Whether like, oh, should we have a nice fun? Got no black, make it dark. <laughs> um, 
But uh, so, yeah. Shall we get into this week's review, Admiral? I think I think we shall, Captain. So this is Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 5, titled Imposters. Um, so obviously the show opens up with a lovely, I'm loving this MCU Star Wars type thing where every every episode is the Titan flying through it. It's like Star Trek. And it's yeah. like every show has that now. So you've got the Cerritos in Lower Decks, you've got the Titan in this, and then probably going to have Discovery uh, when, if Discovery ever bloody comes out because it's been put back a year. Um, but we get this great scene that opens up with uh, the bridge crew uh on a late shift uh and they're all interacting with each other and and i'm i'm genuinely warming to this bridge crew i would love to know more about this ensemble cast the uh, the bajoran helmsman the vulcan science officer um i totally forget what the ops officer is in yellow with the the I, green yeah i was like what race are you like have we seen them before or is it just i don't think we have mm. no but uh, we get this, we get this great banter between them all, and then Jack just strolls onto the bridge in a Starfleet uniform and starts putting holes in them. And it's like, oh my god, has has Jack finally gone it, like uh, yeah. nuts? Um, and then you see all these red vines again with the red vines, <laughs> um, red vines all over the place. And then that the 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 alien goes, I know what you really are, and she's got these really creepy vines growing on her face, and yeah. Then, he, you know, he shoots her and he's got tears in his eyes. And next thing, he's in his quarters holding the gun, just stood holding the gun in which he drops. Yeah. And you realise it was a, it was some sort of like hallucination. Well, this is the thing. It was like the problem was it kind of happened. And then, you know, it ha it, it was quite annoying because obviously everyone online has been talking about, oh, we'd love a, a, a show that basically has like Shaw as the captain and the crew of the Titan as like the, the cast. Um, and then I was like, oh, God, imagine if they did, if this wasn't a dream and they just killed them all off. You'd be like, no, after a oh week of God. everyone getting really excited. Um, but then it does that. And then it goes, oh, it's a dream. And you're like, oh, thank God. And then it cuts to him having the gun. And you're like, oh, it was a dream. But oh, no, <laughs> it felt like a double yeah. bluff where it was just going, actually, no, he did kill all of them. Uh, and so I was very relieved after the titles had gone that it's like, no, no, all of that was it. He just picked up the gun, you know. Did you hear the voice he was hearing that was telling him to come home? I could have swore it was Vadic. When this is the thing, I had the bloody subtitles on again. It said Beverly. It said Beverly's no voice. No way. Yeah, and I'm just like, what? What is oh, this? Spoiling. Bloody. Why? Three weeks in a row, the subtitles. subtitles have done this. Yeah, it's the bastard behind them. And it's like, I was like I'll turn these off. But at the same time, I was like, mm, they do make it a bit easier. Um, but yeah, oh. see, this is the thing. It's the idea of I'm I'm tempted to put my like stake in the ground and be like, I'm sure there's some kind of mirror universe thing here. Because mm -hmm. something about this, because it's obviously what we see later in the episode where Beverly doesn't seem to know what's going on with him, but then the subtitles are suggesting that there is a Beverly that knows stuff about him. I don't know. That that's how I feel about it. I, but then again, I, maybe maybe he's a changeling. Maybe he's a changeling, and the voices to come home are basically come back to the Great Link. We've got loads of stuff, lots of goo, lovely. I have a theory, but I will share this. <laughs> I've got theory. a theory. I will share it's like this random theory. Bobby reference. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were doing a bit of Frozen there. 
<laughs> do you want to build a theory? I literally watched Frozen the other day. We're meant to be talking about Star Trek, but I randomly, I was so burned out and like really exhausted on Tuesday. I was like, let's put something on. Let's put Frozen on. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> did you sing along? Anyway, did, anyway Star Trek, <laughs> I will get mad. I'm so tired. I will just go off on one. So it's <laughs> But I have a theory, but we'll get, we'll get to that later on in one of the uh, one of the other scenes where uh, I think it's most relevant. Um, so then we get the opening titles as per usual, and then we get uh, another captain's log. I am here for captain's logs, and I am here for accurate star dates. Um, 7817816.03, which is exactly exactly. Uh, 22 years after the first episode uh 30 no sorry 30 let's see 37 years after encounter at farpoint because picard is set 22 years after the events of nemesis not 20 years 22 years wow right did that you took do a lot of maths else with your day or was it just sitting there no. like, right okay no it's Sleeper for people with without honor. Um, I don't sleep. Um, <laughs> that's so, amazing. That's amazing yeah. to know that they've I, I loved, that level with it. There's there's a there's a uh, a consultant um, on Star Trek called Jorg Hillebrand, um, who is posting on Twitter at the moment, and uh, he pulls up on these little details, um, and he he mentioned it again this week that how awesome it is that they are so rigid with this like stat because obviously the original series is like oh one or ten point to the power ten and then uh yeah. discovery is like you know star date one million three hundred because it's <laughs> a thousand years in the future but this is like no no it's 37 years after encounter of our point so it's actually seven eight because this yeah. would be this type of season i'm like i'm really down for that because it would be it would be season 37 if it was still the next generation so i'm like Right, okay, that's fine. Um, I, I always think, though, what does point mean? Like, surely if you were going to make a date system, you wouldn't put, like, partial days in it. Like, because is the point the hour? Or is it, like, literally, like, just like, oh, you know how we'd have the 3rd of March? You'd be like, well, actually, that's point one of March. <laughs> you know, it's... That would be really interesting if it was like it goes from zero to twenty-four and it's like point one and it's one AM yeah. in the morning or well, point it, one wouldn't three. It, be, it wouldn't it be point twenty-six, wouldn't it? Because in DS9 there's twenty-six in hours in a Starfleet day or something, isn't there? That's that's for Bajor because the, the station oh, is, is Bajoran, so it obeys Bajoran time scales, which I always thought like, <laughs> well, if Starfleet's twenty-four and this is twenty-six, that's gonna be very confusing. Yeah, how are more people not late? <laughs> you know, like yeah. Everyone just late for work every day. Be like, I don't fucking know. What time is it? It's 26 o'clock. Oh, damn, I'm late by two hours. And it's just... I, yeah. I, and then yeah, him being like, I'll like, oh, really... meet in this room at like 0, 0300 hours. And you're like, what, 3 a.m., you mad bastard. <laughs> but we get this... <laughs> We get we get this lovely shot of the Titan being repaired by the all the little worker bees, um, mm. which is it's kind of cool because you see this in Voyager where like Voyager gets the shit beaten out of it, and then the next episode it's pristine factory fresh, and it's like yeah. ah, that's how it gets repaired because you've got these little tiny robots going around and cleaning it yeah. all up and waxing the body and stuff. I think that's really cool. That. But um, so 
acting acting Captain Riker is basically saying he's waiting at the the vented Federation space and they're waiting and they're getting repaired. And he gets uh, Shaw, Seven, Riker and Picard in the observation lounge, just basically saying, you know, how did the changeling uh, get on board? And Mm -hmm. Seven comes up with this really good thing that says, since the Dominion War, every officer has to go through a screening on the ship to prove that they are not a changeling. Um, before they report for duty. Which makes sense. Like, after yeah. the Dominion War, you'd be like, hey, we've signed a peace treaty with you. However, <laughs> we're going to yeah. put some checks in place. So they're talking about turning... Uh, Riker and uh, Picard are talking about turning themselves in. Riker relieves command back to Shaw. Still here for Shaw. We need a Shaw series. Don't I, I, I love says. this. I, okay. I, I love the... You know, the, the command codes, the reinstatement and how Shaw's just like, oh, right, you know, I love that little thing. Is that is that actually what you get in the Navy? Because obviously all of the Star Trek rank is based on the Navy, isn't it? Where it's, oh, but you know, where, where it's just like, I relieve oh, you, of command. you are relieved, I stand relieved. And I love that little back and forth that you get in the military. Potentially, uh, because this is, this is all to do with like data recordings and stuff. So mm. if the ship is... If the ship is doing this one massive black box and it's like transfer commands and stuff, and it's like, ah, yes, command was relieved at this exact yeah. second and stuff. It might because someone asked uh, years ago, they were like, why do they say, why do they actually say, I'm transferring auxiliary power to shields? I am making this, I'm doing that. And I'm like, well, yeah, if the ship is ever destroyed and there's a black box, they will know exactly what happened up until that, that point. If yeah. there's an accident or up until that, and I'm thinking, yeah, and they must do that in the Navy. Well, Surely yeah. they must. Someone probably listens to it as like ASMR. It's probably, or it's like on Audible or something, where it's just this idea, just going to sleep, being like, uh, oh, phasers are now turned on. Oh, well, tran- transferring auxiliary power to like, you know, me toothbrush and that. Maybe. We need more Geordies in Star Trek. <laughs> I don't know, Geordies. Well, remember, no, it was Geordie Star Wars, wasn't it, years ago? Uh, that was like ooh, the, the dodgy VHS that got passed oh, around everywhere days. before YouTube existed. So Riker transfers commands back to Shaw, and Shaw's like, right now that's all sorted, just to let you know, call Starfleet, they're on the bloody way. So I'm going <laughs> to give you time as a courtesy to get your bullshit story straight. Bye! I, I, I love how just brilliant. like happy he is, just how like chipper as he <laughs> describes it he's just so happy that they're finally getting their cup of comeuppance after they've made his life hell oh this yeah renegade admiral coming in and basically ruining everything for him but to be fair picard does say the next thing that he wants to take full responsibility and he wants to bore the mm. brunt of all the blame of everything of jeopardizing the crew because that leads on to the the next thing where he sees crusher and jack yeah um, and uh basically says you know we did this for you, and uh, we, you know, you can go and live your life, and hopefully, it's a life I want to be part of. And Crush is mm. like, yeah, 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 that's fine. I want to cut up this dead changeling in Sick <laughs> yeah. Bay, if that's all right with you. And he's like, uh, yeah, okay, cool. Um, and then he tries to get uh, convince Jack to join Starfleet. Um, mm. Now, this scene, and we won't spoil it for anyone just yet because we all know what's coming. But this scene was this scene was a, a foreshadowing scene. Because Picard says to Jack, many a rebel have found their way to Starfleet. Mm. And upon re-watching, I was like, oh. 
foreshadowing. <laughs> well, it was, it was one of these things. Now I was like, oh yeah, that you know that has happened a few times. And then obviously the episode's like, and it's relevant, you know, rather yeah. than these sort of sleeper agent things they've had in previous, where they mention it two episodes before it becomes a thing. This one kind of goes foreshadowing and then reveal. Um, yeah, I've just noticed on the video that uh, Paul's changed my name to Science Officer Donaldson. <laughs> Does it say Don- no? Yeah, <laughs> I suppose science officer Sonoy sounds weird. Science, science officer, officer Donald. Oh, science officer. Yeah, that, that's too many S's. And science officer Sinoy. Oh no, I can't say that with the back mouth full of chips. No, that's, that's it. You'd have, it would have, it would need like an apostrophe or something. Or, we need or like to get you a blue noise. Yeah, um, we we need to get you a blue uniform. If we ever go as a crew, <laughs> we need you as a science officer. We need to have you walking around with a tricorder as well. Yeah, no, that's not it, regular but, anomalies. But I'd be a terrible science officer. <laughs> I'd just be like, no. Oh. <laughs> no, actually, I'd be I'd be a science officer, but I'd be like a Hellraiser one, you know, like Dr. Chenard from like Hellraiser 2, where oh, he's my. like, I prescribe what is it? Mutilation or something. I forgot what he says, but it's this idea of going, okay. <laughs> oh. But we get so after the after the uh, the Jack and Picard scene, we do get finally after an episode missing Worf and Raffi, and they are just dueling the shit out of each other, training, and we get that fucking awesome Klingon music that I love. So da 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 it sounds good because you were telling me on the last episode about well no yeah. second episode but it was the idea of like i didn't realize he got fat like i haven't been to the conventions i haven't really been paying attention and you just being like oh no he's really got back in shape for this it's like that's yeah. crazy but obviously he had to because you were saying he was gonna die so yeah yeah so that's the, probably the... a good reason really yeah so they're having a duel and uh and Worf basically says you know you need to basically show a little weakness so the enemy can show their weakness mm. um and the duelings cut short because they get a transmission from Worf's handler mm. um because they want to basically go to daystream institute and find out what weapon so catastrophic more catastrophic than this the portal gun the cake mm-hmm. is a lie that that the the changelings have the changeling sect terrorist group yeah what did you say uh the splinter group shall we say yes has, it, has might be, it might be a sort of a book club or something we're not entirely sure club. of their intentions yes yeah is it are we saying that charlotte's book club goes rogue and starts stealing <laughs> weapons from daystream how do we know that charlotte isn't a changeling exactly oh, damn. Like, you know oh, damn, I, yeah. actually to be fair beth in the chat i'm wondering if beth is a, a founder i'm thinking oh, although I, she's I, got I, actually she's got honey cheerios or oh. Oh, oh, that's just Vorta talk. That is Vorta talk right there. We Young's going to be finding those honey nut Cheerios. <laughs> um, so they yeah, can't so taste the... can they? Vorta don't have a sense of taste. Do they? Oh no! Oh, well done. Yeah, wow. I don't know. Actually, they no, they do. They don't have a sense of art. They have great hearing. They can't be poisoned, but then they don't. They yeah, I I don't know. Maybe they have a really crap sense of taste or something. But yeah, well, let's not forget that Iggy Pop is also a uh, also a, a Vorta. Yeah, but that's drugs. <laughs> if yes. Iggy Pop can't taste anything, that's because it's Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop already went on. should yeah. be dead. Iggy Pop only joined DS9 because he saw Ketracel White. Hmm. So <laughs> anyway. Like, like, it's not a real thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a TV show. And he's like, I don't care. It's milk, Iggy. Doesn't matter. Put it in my neck. <laughs> so... Um, 
So, so Sorry, my mission today is to derail this as much as possible with random tech bollocks. I am so, sorry. Uh, what was it? Yeah, so they, they get a call from the handler because uh, they want to go to Daystrom Institute and the handler says denied. Absolutely yeah. denied. And it, they are, for, for want of a better term, they are cock-blocked by the handler. Um, and Rafi just does what Rafi does and loses her <laughs> again and Morph is all you know he's all chill he's full of chamomile tea he's he's like dude chill dude chill yeah. and then he's just like fucking no and just yeets a knife straight into the floor and I love the fact she goes every time you're mad can you stop putting holes in my floor <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I, I lo- I'm here for the dial I'm here for the banter between them two they just it's chalk and cheese and they are so perfect for each other in this yeah. show it really I works like it's, it. it's that it's that good cop it's a buddy cop kind of thing that they've got going on and obviously the dialogue's written so it kind of suggests that they are building a relationship like we're not seeing it as mm. much you know we are seeing it on screen but the idea of going yeah this isn't the first time that wolves like thrown random daggers in the ship or something and i, I really like that i, I, I like that. it though in the next bit where raffi basically does a search for who they're looking for so basically mm. like you know because obviously they they mention oh yeah it was um sneed was the person who would know everything but you cut his head off <laughs> oh but they go on about daystrom station and they say mm. daystrom station is is guarded by a highly sophisticated ai now yeah now goodwill's theory of the week one of his theories of the <laughs> week the sophisticated yeah. ai is Moriarty. Imagine. Wouldn't you have... Are they just mad? Like, genuinely, <laughs> if the people at Daystrom were just like, hey, we found... Okay, we found this AI built out of a Sherlock Holmes novel of a fucking supervillain. Let's put that in charge of everything. You know, it's like... But an AI that is capable it's of beating one of those, data. like, bad decisions that leads to a full horror movie. You know, it's yeah. like those bad decisions of, like, going, hey, let's go camp out in the haunted woods. This is another admiral decision, I feel. Yeah, he's a mad admiral. He's like, actually, lol. Madmiral. Madmiral, yeah, Madmiral Donaldson. There we go. But they, uh, so they, 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 like you said, the Rafi finds uh, Crin. Yeah. Um, But did he notice what was also on the screen when it did that? Morn. It was Morn and Brunt. And Brunt, Liquidator Brunt, FCA. (laughs) Who knows? Jeffrey Combs. Maybe he's, he's not even a liquidator anymore. He's probably been downgraded. Maybe Rom just fired him. Maybe he became a changeling and became a literal liquidator. Oh, <laughs> sorry, bad puns. I know There's I don't. There's got to be care. a poster out there. Surely someone on Deviant Art has done a sort of really dramatic sort of liquidator brunt spin-off or something. Um, I sort of did one when I worked for a bank because we are regulated. We were regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority, the FCA. And I always thought the liquidator Brunt ran the Financial Conduct Authority because it's Brunt, FCA. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Yes, the Ferengi, of course, they are the ones that regulate the banks. Yeah. Um, but um, so, yeah, so this this scene is really good because obviously it gels well because they go back to Metallic Prime mm. um, because they find out that it's Crin who was uh, facilitating Sneed. Um, and they they rock up to District Six, and everyone deserts like a Wild West scenario. Yeah. Um, and immediately I saw the mobile emitter on Rafi's arm, and I was like, "It's the mobile emitter." I did not. I yeah. literally, when oh. that happened, I was like, "Ah, you know, wow!" Did you notice it immediately? 
she turns around and you can see this like shiny object. And I was like, oh, that's a marvel. And I was like, how commonplace is like this 29th century technology now? <clears throat> Safi just, oh yeah, eBay straight away. Let's let's get these sold out. Um, but although I have to say, obviously it does play out, but wouldn't you hide it? Like, mm. would you not like put it Hell on yeah. the back? or something you know crazy talk i know but um has no one learned from red dwarf where they just have a h hide the h <laughs> yeah that's it just wear hats you know wear just hats, like... yeah. um so they go on and, and you know raffi raffi is subtle as uh subtle as a fart in an elevator and she's like bam bam we're looking for a crane and everyone's deserted wharf's just like yeah i'm just gonna get on my knees and chill yeah um and i and i love that because it's it's very <laughs> it's just very the phantom menace with qui-gon Jin, and he's yeah. just like yeah they gotta go i'm just gonna i'm just gonna meditate i'm just i'm just gonna wait uh and they, they will come to us um but then we we go straight back to uh the titan and we see the intrepid warping mm. brilliant brilliant so this is a dudastat class starship partly named dudastat do uh, the stuff it's it's okay part I'll, I'll tell you i'll tell you what it's it's part of a german uh town it's partly mm. named after a german town and partly named after doug drexler's late wife who sadly passed away last july oh, wow. um, so so in honor of dorothy um who was nicknamed the cook of star trek she made all the food that you saw on screen from like really? ds9 on yeah yeah you know the chef in enterprise mm. That well, was Dorothy. <laughs> we, well, yeah. we know who it is, and we're not it's, happy about uh, it. Well, yeah, yeah, because that's but, like uh, bullshit. Last episode, all all the food was was uh, prepared by Dorothy. So, in honor of uh, Dorothy, they named it the Duda Stat. So, Dorothy Druda and uh, a German town. So that warps in very very unique design uh, by Bill Krauss, uh, who did also designed the Titan. So, we're getting a lot of these wonderfully unique designs that we haven't seen before, but also feel very, very Starfleet, very next gen. They, you know, they all share the yeah. same parts, like the Enterprise and the Lion did and stuff. Um, so the Intrepid says, you know, Titan, power down, await for a shuttle, and then they get hailed. Um, and it's like, oh, uh, they they want they want to send a security team over via shuttle. And Shaw's like, well, why are they sending a shuttle and not a transporter? And immediately, right, my daft ass went, yeah. is it is it McCoy? And well, I, I was won't... thinking, is it McCoy or is it Pulaski? Imagine. Damn, we were yeah. talking about it, we'd just be like, oh, yeah, Pulaski's back, bitches. Oh, man, she must have, like, fleet admiral status by this time because, yeah, she's in her 90s. I, I, in real think, life. I think she's probably fleet admiral because she killed everyone under her, everyone above her. Above her. She's basically done things the Klingon way. She's, oh, yeah. She's well, risen she is, to the top. She's an honorary yeah. Klingon. Well, I think, I think the most interesting thing about this is a bit of, when we talk about foreshadowing, how creepy and dramatic was the music? You know that shot where it goes into Very. the scene and it shows uh, the Titan and it shows the Intrepid and it literally just has like super villain music in the background and you're like going, well, this mm. is going to end badly, you know? When you, Especially when you think it's like, it's a Starfleet ship, you know. It's like, yes, we've got yeah. it. We've got backup. We've got start. And it's like the undertones from the music alone. It's just like something's not quite right. And then it it plays on with the shuttle yeah. as well. 
And, and I, I, I kind of, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about this, because the fact is, you know, where we're talking about the subtitle spoiling things, it was kind of mm. like, and we can blame some crazy psycho who's just like, don't know what a changeling is, let's just put it on the screen. Um, yeah. That's not a big spoiler or anything for people. But with this, I was like, oh, bollocks, the music is actually spoiling it a bit. Like, it would have been sus, better to kind of have it being like, oh, cool, look you, and then be like, a, oh, oh, there's something really weird going on. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I, I liked it because I thought it was really good music. But at the same time, a bit like, hmm, weird yeah. Um Nerdy Up North has just said in the chat there they would like to see more Trek Red Dwarf crossover. Funny you should <laughs> say that. Imagine. Funny you should say that because I've got another tidbit for you. Jupiter Mining Corporation, which is the owner of the mining ship Red Dwarf, mm. is actually canon in the Star Trek universe because Doug Drexler, who is a huge Red Dwarf fan, yeah. insisted that on the information display on the promenade, on the promenade yes, there would be an office for the Jupiter Mining Corporation. I remember this. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's just there on one of the things. It, it literally is. And what, what I found most wonderful was when Star Trek Online updated the DS9 map, mm. you can actually zoom into that board and there is every single name you put on and there's Jupiter Mining Corporation. And I'm just <laughs> they like... They kept it in. Yeah. they just gone, yeah. yeah. So Red Dwarf, Canon in Star Trek. So Lister, Canon. <laughs> Crichton, Canon. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Oh, Beth's come back with her honey Cheerios. Ooh. Oh, she's she's yeah, an absolute enjoying maniac. Enjoying it like a water. Absolute but, um... maniac, I'm telling you. I'm, <laughs> is it is it to catch a cell white instead of milk? That's what I want. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Like, um, I'm buzzing my tits off. <laughs> so <laughs> we then get to, obviously, the shuttle arrives on the Titan, and we get to the scene mm. where... We see now Ro Laren. Now, Ro were Laren. you expecting this at all? Well, hell no. Like when we're talking about stuff, like me talking Trek to like literally, I went into the local games workshop um the other week randomly because mm. I was in town and just ended up talking to him about Picard and Star Trek for like an hour. And I was just like, oh, that's kind of crazy. Um, but he's obsessed with it as well. And we were bandying theories around and stuff. And the idea of it closing this sort of like plot hole, not plot hole, but like open-ended yeah, TNG. Yeah. I never even had that on my list. Obviously, we have like Moriarty, we have Moriarty, mm. we have Sela, we have like, you know, maybe Locutus, maybe there's more stuff to be done with that, you know, and then obviously we have all the loose ends from DS9 and things, but I never even, it never even crossed my mind to actually try and cross off Rolaren because like, and it is, yeah. and it's this, and it's wonderful this episode that it basically Rolaren appears and we get into the whole how Picard has been harboring this sort of bitterness for this amount of time regarding it. Yeah, I was... I'm going to be honest with you. So I thought, because obviously the the synopsis of the episode says, you know, like former crewman, blah, 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 blah. Mm. It's going to sound so stupid. I thought it was Reginald Barkley. (laughs) See, that's, it. that's another thing. That. You just mentioned that, and that never crossed my mind that they might get Barkley in. Imagine yeah. if they get to Daystrom and Barkley's there. Actually, oh. actually, going back, 
what bastard would be mad enough to put a Moriarty AI in charge of Daystrom? And it's literally Barkley. It is literally that is oh no, Admiral oh, Barkley. Admiral oh, Barkley. I'm telling you, it's happening. <laughs> God. Can you but, imagine they get there and Barclay's like, so, may have done a thing, problems. <laughs> and then the doctor's just sat there just shaking his head. The doctor's <laughs> like, you won't let me turn myself off. Yeah. So we obviously get, Ro- which which most Trekkies assumed died uh, when the Marquis were wiped out uh, during the Dominion War in season five of DS9. Um we yeah, get the totally wonderful wiped out. Like, yeah, the totally wiped out. And the fact is, even if they could rebuild, there's no point because yeah, yeah. The, you know, Cardassia is basically destroyed by the end. Like, I don't, I haven't played um, uh, Trek Online, but I, I don't really know what the state of Cardassia is in this later universe. It's like, it's not really canon. So anything's mm. up for interpretation with with Card. I would love to know if these because Garrick doesn't sure take that. charge, is it? Because there, there's a couple of no. novels where they basically say Gav- uh, Garrick becomes like in charge of Cardassia, but I'm pretty yeah. sure that he's not like in actual canon. Well, we don't know because canon is is sort of canon is determined by what you see on TV and film. Anything mm. in literature or books, I think it's called beta canon or soft canon. So, right. like, they the comic could books, bring it in, yeah, if they wanted to, unless otherwise determined, like, unless otherwise stated by um, by Paramount, where they say, Oh, yeah, the comics, those are canon. Uh, yeah. like, Star Wars does it say, you know, Star Wars said, you know, when Disney took over the like the extended universe that you know from the books, yeah, that's nothing, that's gone. This is canon, like, the Clone Wars, that's canon. And you're like, Right, okay, so they set their path. Um, Star Trek sort of done the same, so. With Raw Laren, I'm just here for Michelle Forbes because I absolutely love Michelle Forbes. And I tell you why, because, and you're going to laugh at this, she played a bastard of an admiral in Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> she was Admiral Helena Kane, right, mm. of the Battlestar Pegasus. And I was fuming at this week's episode because I thought she was such a bastard yet so good in that series right and Mm. so many trek alumni behind the scenes worked on that series why the hell did you not call her ship the pegasus after the ship (laughs) from Battlestar? that would have been such a tremendous callback for people to say all right that's the pegasus oh shit it's michelle forbes because she her the way she walks towards picard it's like oh she pissed yeah I, I think I wonder though, like how much homage you can get away with. Like, would the Battlestar Galactic people be like going, hmm, actually, that's not copyright, but you know. Um, and also the fact of, you know, like all the people like you, where you know a lot of stuff about the show before it starts, or you're looking into stuff like before mm. the show starts. Is there an issue with basically what if people saw that the ship was called Pegasus and then went ah and kind of guessed early, you know? They they even even shipnet. This this is what's really bad about NDAs at the moment. Even ship names are confidential because they will say <laughs> that ship names will give things away. Like if well, you yeah, said, really. like, it's yeah. like it's like you were saying about the ship that's got Esri and. Uh... Esri and Bashir on it and stuff. Imagine Little if you saw that that yeah. existed, you'd be like, "Oh, that that's in the show." Then that means these people are in it, you know. 
a little correction, and I will have to apologize for last week. I did get the ship wrong that Joe mentioned. It oh, wasn't yeah. Odyssey class. It was Aventine class. <laughs> so I... Nobody I noticed Goodwill. I doth my God. I know, but I felt like a Burke all week, and I was just like, I need to make a public apology. I need to you write sound, this wrong. You sound like me after a performance where I'm like, oh, I didn't do this movement right. And I was like, no one noticed or cared. <laughs> no, one, no one knew that was supposed to be the way it was. But um, so, yeah, so the, the even keep stuff like, because obviously space stations and stuff, they can't say fleet museum because you'd be like, oh, we're going to go to a fleet. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So they, they, they keep names and stuff quiet. But no, this, this scene, I was completely shocked to see Roller. I was delighted and I was like, Yes, after like yeah. 30, 30 years, we've not seen it. Um, and we, we see... She um, looks fantastic for 30 years later, like... But actually, we've missed a bit. Oh. We've missed a bit. We've missed the turbo lift scene with Riker, Shaw and Picard. <laughs> oh, yeah. This was yeah. so good way. It's just like, <laughs> elevator music. Shaw's just like, boom, 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 boom. Riker's like, can you not? <laughs> yeah, that's it. And, and then Joe sure just reads them to Phil. Oh, yeah, when he's like, I'm feeling chipper, right? He's like, you know, we saved the galaxy, right? And he's like, yes, but you also, and I've got it here. Uh, <laughs> yes, but let's not forget you also hot-dropped the saucer section of the Enterprise D on a planet. All that time where someone threw the Prime Directive out of the window so they could snog a girl on Baku. <laughs> All the time that you boys nearly wiped out the whole of humanity by creating a temporal paradox in the Devron system. And he just <laughs> walks out. And I'm like, I am here for the mic drop moments for Captain yeah. Choice. Oh, fucking God. But, but then obviously Picard just being like, those were the days. Those <laughs> were the days. <laughs> But it is this idea of just being like, okay, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing. It's obviously in episode one, we were like, oh, it's weird that he would see them as like villains or bad guys kind of thing because of their previous things. And then now we're kind of like, actually, actually, in yeah. hindsight. To be fair, though, I mean, the saucer section of the D, that was Deanna's fault. Let's be honest with Who that. Who was in charge, though? Who was uh, Deanna's superior but, but who was driving i mean her? the woman can't even keep an <laughs> accent up so technically why you know she should not have been in charge of a starship can you imagine the debrief for the insurance company i should not have been allowed to drive That's it. i I'm should a... not have you met my mother you know <laughs> Heir to the holy rings of Vetus, I don't you know. <laughs> Imagine if you start the, the trial like that. It's really, I am heir to the heir of the rings of Vetus. <laughs> oh. That's what I want to see. That's the one thing I think we need from this series. What happens to the sacred chalice of Ricks? And has anyone washed it yet? Surely, mm. <laughs> yeah. Surely though, with, with the, the tragic tragic passing of uh, Michelle Beret Robin uh, Roddenberry in 2000 in, in 2008 I want to say mm. there has that has to be a shout out there has to be a shout out she was the computer voice for the next well, she, she was everything obviously she was nurse chapel wasn't she she was she was I nearly said nurse Chappelle. I'm like that's a totally different series <laughs> Dave Chappelle but they literally re-edited the entire original series to just replace have Dave Chappelle <laughs> with Dave Chappelle and just be like what is this oh my days um 
But yeah, but uh, yeah. So I've, obviously we, we had the turtle lift. Say we see Roll Laren, and then we have the the bomb drop. That basically, oh yeah, you and Riker, you're being charged with treason. Mm. And you're like, oh damn, treason? Yeah, really? And you're like, right, okay. And then it a, a nice little uh, quick scene um, with uh, Seven of Nine uh, finding Jack. And basically saying, you know, come with me, come with me. And Jack's like, oh, oh. And I, I honestly thought Jack being Jack the lad, he was going to go, oh, okay, yeah, why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she takes him into the, uh, you know, she just basically says, come with me. She's got a hold on and everything like that. And then it, it goes to quite a fun scene of the autopsy. Yeah. With with Beverly Crusher and just LaForge. Did you ever expect to say those words today? Like Autopsy. Fun scene autopsy. Oh, <laughs> uh, those were the days. Oh, <laughs> come on, we're having an autopsy. Get in. I, I love though. I mean, again, this the on the, the crew of the Titan that they've got, the actors are brilliant. Sydney LaForge, she's one of again one of my favorites. Because it's like you know, Crush is dead professional, she's doing this autopsy and stuff like that. And you just see like Sydney in the corner just going, <laughs> and just like, yeah, I would do the same. <laughs> it's that weird thing and i'm just like oh it's just a dead changeling and i'm like no well it's it's you dead like there must be something that triggers in your brain being like hang on this is my corpse that would effectively be so, that would be so weird but crusher does answer a question that me and you both had last week with um the changeling that yeah. strange how it's kept its form after it's died because they normally revert to liquid and i was like yeah yeah or, or yeah. explode or crumble. They they do anything mm. that isn't retain their shape, basically. Yeah, and uh, little, little nod to this, uh, the little tricorder sound effect. I, I loved hearing that again. I've, yeah. I've missed these tiny little details in, in new Star Trek. I had it um, later with the um, with the ho- hollow sweet doors. Like the noise yes. of the hollow sweet doors was the thing where I was like, oh, that Hoo-ah. takes me back. Yeah. Yeah. Little little bit of an Al Pacino. Um, but yeah, so they're doing the autopsy and then they 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 cut her arm. And then the revelation is basically, oh damn, like they, they have replicated, like they could pass a blood test. Yeah. This is, you know, which is terrifying. The idea of, you know, previously we had changelings where, like, they just looked the part. So basically they had no internal organs, but they were the mm. right shape and they looked right. But they didn't mm. actually have any internal organs or, like, you know, respiratory systems. So they didn't technically breathe. You know, so there was ways to catch them out and they didn't have blood. So mm. the idea is that obviously... All of the stuff in DS9 that they use to get around changelings is blood tests. So basically, when in the middle of the Dominion War, they have it where everyone who goes into a meeting will have to prick their finger. And then if it doesn't actually, if blood doesn't actually come out, same as the thing, same as John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, that's how they caught changelings out. It's the idea that changelings can now do it on such a level that they actually go oh actually they have hemoglobin globin now they actually they can bleed they can have yeah. they can replicate an entire you know respiratory system is odo couldn't even do fucking eyes right you know it's, it's terrifying like... isn't it or ears it's it's yeah, that's yeah. It. it's like he couldn't even do like sort of the face right you know and yeah. then it's this and the idea that, like, you know, now there's changelings who could just be like, uh, 
I always wondered that actually with a female changeling, why she looked like she looked when you're like, I'm assuming that you are able to be anything you want. Like, cause it, when you, when we had changelings, it can perfectly replicate people. And then she chose not to. And you wonder if maybe she did it to make Odo feel comfortable, but she could have looked like a perfect human. But then why did she do it when Odo wasn't around? It's very, I, yeah. The, the, I, maybe I have she another, was crap as well. Maybe her stuff was leadership. You know. Well, I, I have another... Like, genocide. Whatever skills there's a, say it is. There's a, there's a thing later on, and, I, and I'm going to reference Discovery with it later on, um, because after this uh, autopsy scene, we do go to the observation lounge where Picard is... Picard's steaming. And, and Reich is trying to diffuse it, and he's like, dude, it's been 30 years... And Picard is, I've I've never seen like Picard steaming after. I mean, after thirty years, and he's like, she betrayed Starfleet and stuff like that. Wait, um, he, he she betrayed Starfleet because if you don't know, if you are not familiar with the Bolaren background, basically what happened is she was a she was a terrorist sympathizer that rejoined Starfleet. So she basically went to jail. She rejoined mm -hmm. Starfleet and Picard got her on the crew, wasn't very happy about it. But then over the course of a season, I think it was a season, um, basically sort of built a bond with her and gave her chances and basically went, look, actually, I'll totally help you rebuild your life and I trust you and things. And then basically he sends her in as a sleeper agent to a terrorist cell to basically go, hey, infiltrate this terrorist cell and sort of help, you know, sort that out. And then at the end, she basically defected. So she actually sympathized with them, joined with them, and then became a member of their organization that basically spins out into wider Trek stuff, like the, yeah. into DS9. And the betrayal was insane. Like, you know, Picard kind of wasn't expecting it. And at the same time, it was this, I don't know, because I think he really felt for her as like sort of like a daughter figure yeah and then he... the the actual her turning around and and it, it's unrealistic because i remember even when i watched that episode now i'm a bit like it's not that bad you know and but you know it's like oh well you know she kind of went with what she felt and she's like following her kind of moral you know her morality but picard's reaction to it is so dramatic like he really goes intense. off the deep end and it's yeah. it's one of those disconnects where you kind of go oh maybe i don't empathize fully with picard as a character but it's because starfleet is a way of life starfleet is like a you know starfleet is a way of thinking that we as a viewer don't really fully appreciate but it doesn't usually matter yeah it's it's because what 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 you have to remember is Picard at, at this stage, so this is 24 or two. Mm. Picard's been in Starfleet for damn near 70 years. Yeah. So Starfleet, like when he when he said to Jack in the flashback in the last episode, where like, do you have any family? Starfleet is my only family. What you have to remember yeah. is for people like Picard, and you see this in real life in the military, in the Navy, in the army, and stuff like that. For a lot of people, those institutions are their family. They yeah. know no other way. They know no other life because they have dedicated a huge portion of their life to the service. And Picard was no different. So Picard, if he joined at 18, which I believe he was when he joined, mm. it's damn near 70 years, 80 years that he's he's been in Starfleet. So he would know no other way. So for someone, 
for, for him to give someone his trust, mentor them, and then betray Starfleet, it's like they betrayed his family, him and mm. his family. So I could sort of I could sort of understand his anger, but I do agree that it was a little bit like in the next generation, because this was the second to last episode of season seven. So wow, yeah. roll roll Aaron defected to the marquee, and then we got all good things one and two. So was it really that late on? Yeah, it was yeah, it was the second to last. Yeah. So we didn't really fully understand because Let's be honest, we had that episode, a season finale, and then four uh, four movies, mm. right? So we didn't see him fully get to grips with the repercussions of what had happened. Like, he put his career on the line. He'd risked everything to get her on yeah. the flagship. She, she was a terrorist <laughs> on the flagship. So for him to do that, he probably put a lot on the line for that. And then for her to defect, it probably, you know... Yeah. Damaged trust in Picard at that. I mean, I, I know a lot of trust in Picard was damaged because of Locutus already. But yeah, that's it. That, it's it's really bad. But when she comes into the observation lounge and you know she, she wants to speak to Picard alone, she's moved most of the crew off the Titan to the Intrepid as well. So I'm like, mm. okay, that's that's a little bit odd. Um, but then she speaks to Picard, and then we get one of two beautiful standoff scenes between mm. Picard and Ro, where you can see this tension, this animosity between them both Yeah, um, with, with what went on 30 years ago. Well, I love the fact of obviously, you know, in this scene, like Riker's like, hey, I'll do the talking. And then Ro basically goes, hey, you go off. I'm just going to talk. I want to talk to Admiral yeah. Picard. And then Picard does not does not pull any punches. He immediately insults her. He immediately goes for the throat. And you're like, that is not what you do to he, yeah. someone who is doing your sort of court martial. You you know, you want to get them on your side. But he's he's so passionate and he's so angry and bitter about this betrayal. And he's been harboring it the, for 30 years. And it's kind of it's weird to come back because obviously we were saying that Picard has in seasons one and two wasn't Picard because he wasn't acting like Picard. He wasn't doing that. And then in this season, we're kind of going, no, it's all the, like that. It's written so well that you're like, going, no, he is like, he is a nice guy. He's become yeah. compassionate. He's become a family man. Well, he wants to become a family man, but there's still this, these wounds that are still there like He's, Roe. Yeah. And I think it's wonderful that it's kind of, yeah, it feels like Picard. It, this feels like Picard in this show, and it's weird saying that when it's season three. <laughs> he's here's in a. I, I would coin the phrase an evolved Picard of thirty years, of, mm. of well, no, sorry, evolved Picard of twenty years since Nemesis, because twenty years will will change people. Do you know what I mean? Not not to a great extent, but it will change people. So. Um, that's called age. Good it's called age. It's called wisdom. It's got yeah. But, you know, time does not heal all wounds, as we saw with this. So he's he's immediately saying, how can a defect, you know, a terrorist defector yeah. find their way into Starfleet? And he's probing her and he's probing her. Um, and then she goes, you know, let's just get the elephant in the room out of the way. Cuts her hand. She's like, I'm not a changeling. Yeah. Um, and he's like, right. Okay. But then he's still going. He's like, 
really you can you can feel the rage yeah. in his voice as he's talking about it um and then he's like you're not wearing your bajoran earring mm. and then it goes uh it goes to a, the scene changes to jack where obviously, uh, just as a bit of background in this in tng mm. as a bajoran she wears like a pen uh an earring mm. uh and it's like a symbol of her religious faith and they told her to take it off because it's not like standard uniform. And then what they did is they gave her a concession to wear it. Yeah. Uh, so she was able to, which is like Picard backing down a little bit, which is like him, you know, like I say, going out on a limb for her for her from this rigid rule system. But then she's not even wearing it now. And he's like, hey, have you turned on that as well? Like, you know, you betrayed yeah. me and now you're turning on your actual faith. And that's why you're not wearing the earring anymore. But it's also tricking the audience to go, is this really raw? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, if she doesn't have the earring, because the Bajoran earrings are basically, they're like those, Klang, I don't know what they're called, the Klingon daggers, you know, where it's basically a family heirloom. So if you lose it, then it's a sign mm. of disgrace. The same well, as the Bajoran earrings. Trick. Yeah. No, no, you know the daggers. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, because I remember the episode, I think, is it in DS9, where basically... Uh, yeah, where Worf gets and gets to meet the captain of the Klingon ship because he beats up his son and steals his dagger and is like and and his dad's like, hey, I have to collect my son's dagger because it's irreplaceable. And you know, it's mm, yeah, yeah. But nobody, yeah. but it's like that, and it's the idea of like you couldn't, you could replicate it, but you know, someone would be able to tell. So if she was a changeling, you know, and if they're able to replicate blood now then it's like, you know, so the episode does a very good job of making us go, is this Rolaren? Or yeah. is this a changeling? You know? Yeah, it's it's very... It's, the tension it's is great. Up, it's setting up the audience to also have their own doubts because then it goes back to Jack uh, mm. where Seven drags him into a quarters and she's like, you know, we need to hide you, but we're going to hide you in plain sight. So put this on. Gives him a duffel bag and in the duffel bag is a red uniform. And he's yeah. like, no, no, don't, don't make me wear this because obviously in the first opening scene he's wearing a red uniform. Yeah, where he shoots up uh, the bridge. I never noticed that. I thought he was complaining because he didn't want to be part of Starfleet after Picard had mentioned it. But then obviously, yeah, you're going, hey, he's had all of these visions where he's in a red uniform murdering people. <laughs> you know, and yeah, actually, I did not pick up on that at all. Yes, but then we go back to Worf and Raffi on Metallus Prime District Six, where. We see a few lasers trained on Worf and Raffi, and then we get to meet <laughs> That Crin. went well. It did. But we get to meet Crin, who is a Vulcan crime boss. Yeah. And, and, and once yeah. again, this, this series being brilliantly written, I made it, and yet again, I wrote a note down and then had to cross it off because it went, aha, we knew you'd ask that question. Here's an answer. Uh, but yeah, so. So obviously Crin gets the thing and, you know, Worf and Raffi are, are like, you know, yeah, we, we've, they, they feel very confident, uh, but Crin sees through their little subterfuge because he immediately shoots off the mobile emitter and he's like, do yeah. you think I would not see a, a trap? You know, do you not think I would think it logical that you would set a trap? And it's mm. only logical that I would set a trap for you. And he pulls Raffi from a sniping position, um, which I thought was really good. And then we go back to, I can't believe I'm saying it, autopsy part two. Um, where Beverly the is the revenge, yeah. Uh, so Beverly has finished her autopsy and she's basically they've, they've dissected uh, the, the changing and they're like, 
this changing has been able to fully replicate organs at the minutest level. And only when you fully dissect them, do they return to their liquid form. Yeah. Um, which, which is terrifying. Yeah. You know, in concept, we're just like, wow. Like, you know, because the changeling's biggest like flaw was basically they had to return back to their, you know, liquid state after a period of time. Whereas this suggests that as long as they're not changing, like, you know, if they're, if they're dormant then they can just stay how they are, which that's terrifying. <laughs> it's it's very terrifying uh, because Beverly basically says, this is not like a genetic mutation. This is an evolution. This hmm. is not artificial. This is like, it's almost like an evolution. And then I sat down, I thought, well, hang on a minute, because we got a changeling in season three of Discovery. Now that changeling looked like DS9 changelings. Yeah. It didn't look like these changes. So I'm like, maybe this, like, maybe they have like been modified genetically or something with this, this sect of changeling. Maybe Discovery um, isn't relevant. <laughs> I know. Perhaps but you we'll know, after, I get the idea. Maybe yeah. the discovery people weren't talking to the other people. But, but we'll 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 gloss <laughs> over that because we go back to Rowan Picard. Well, the fact is, where... I think we'll find out. I, you know, I, I'm fully confident oh, maybe, yes. with this season that it's basically if it is that it's like a, you know, like in in Enterprise where we've got the oh what are they called the villains for the first series the um basically they're like shapeshift not shapeshifters but they can go invisible and stuff Suleban. yeah the Suleban, where basically they are forcing evolution upon themselves like they're you know mm. experimenting on themselves so maybe it's the fact of this gang of changelings or whatever are trying to make themselves better so it's not natural but it's it's you know like a forced evolution or whatever to get better or maybe they just practiced more you know rather than odo being like well i could do a face that's let's just keep it at that yeah, it's yeah, potentially. Yeah, I, I didn't think of the Suleban because the Suleban were only genetically modified due to ah, due well, it's to uh, from which the is future. the weirdest thing, but it's because there's a guy from the future being like, Here's loads of science that you don't have yet, and you're like, This you is know so who many that plot was. holes, I don't know where to start. This is more than Harry Potter level plot hole. This is just like, Oh, what the fuck? Do you want to know who that was, Graham? Dave Benson Phillips, Captain Jonathan Archer. What <laughs> the villain, the the villain from the future, yeah, was going to be revealed before they wrapped up the Temple Cold War sooner than they wanted to. Mm. It was going to be Jonathan Archer from the future. I did actually know that, and I don't know how because I haven't mm. looked into it. So it must be in the show somewhere. No, it was I. Got Is it not told... that just? I think actually maybe it was him doing the voice or something because I'm pretty sure I clocked on in like series three or whenever they appear again. Mm. I'm pretty sure I was just like, oh, is that actually him? You know. I I got told by Brennan Braga and Ronald D. Moore uh, at, at a convention because someone said like because mm. everyone wants another like right okay yeah Enterprise great show who was the dude in the Temple Cold War and he Brennan just went out and said yes yeah, Captain Archer. Yeah, that was the plan, and everyone was like, "Like what you did?" Whoa! And <laughs> they were like, "How how would you do that?" It was like, "Oh yeah, we had a awesome story, but uh, UPN didn't like it, so it was cut And I was like, "Oh, the potential that we could have had, but we yeah. might have. We don't know. We might get an Enterprise season five. I've just noticed in the chat, Amanda is talking about how much she loves uh, Faith of the Heart uh, from Enterprise. Uh, how I believe she's saying it's her favorite theme song." That has ever existed. 
She's not saying that at all. She it's very it. polarizing. But <laughs> <laughs> I just love the idea of like, oh, 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 Amanda. Oh, that's it. <laughs> that, yeah, it's I very polarizing. Russell Watson, you sexy minx doing a Ross Stewart <laughs> cover. Um, so, yeah, so after the autopsy, we go back to uh, Picard and Raffi, uh, not Raffi, Picard and Raw in the observation lounge. Um, and he's still, you know, he, he's probing her and he wants to know what's going on. But then she's she's more concerned with Jack. And she's like, let's talk about your son. And he's like, I only, I've only known him for a few days. Um, mm. And you can see that there's this distrust between them both and there's more yeah. probe and it's leading the audience to go right she believes he's a changeling he believes she's a changeling yeah um and then he gets the message from crusher which basically changelings can pass blood tests trust no one yeah so he like he very calmly goes back and uh she's she asks about the change and he's just like yeah we know nothing we killed it and uh yeah. so he takes he he says right she goes i'll, I'll show you the bodies yeah and um, uh, but before before that, we finally get the backstory for Raw Laren, mm. where at like during the Marquis, before they were wiped out, she turned herself back into Starfleet. Yeah, uh, who rehabilitated her, and then she was hired by Starfleet Intelligence because of her obviously terrorist uh, background, mm. and essentially. This person has clawed away for 30 years, has clawed away back up uh, the ranks. And you can tell, I mean, Michelle Forbes is a brilliant, brilliant actor. She's absolutely brilliant in anything she does. And you can tell she's portraying the pain of what she's had to go through to get the trust back from people. Um, And then obviously he goes on about the changeling and they say, right, we'll go to... Sickbay, if you want to see the remains, let's go to Sickbay. Um, we then get a little brief clip of uh security guards from the Intrepid looking for Jack. And I'm like, immediately, I don't know if yeah. you did. Immediately I looked at it and I went, changelings. <laughs> I I didn't because I didn't want to think that the it was so dramatic. I didn't, you know, I was kind of going, I was assuming that there were going to be changelings on board. Like I think. I did. I did think that the people that came on board with the shuttle. I was like, hmm, they mm. might be suspect, and they are. <laughs> you know, we find it out. But you know, I didn't think the whole crew would be. You know, I didn't think. Oh no, those are the same guards that went on the shuttle. They they yeah. came on the shuttle. So yeah. So <clears throat> we get that, and then Ro pulls a gun out on Picard, and then just says, "Change of plan. We're going into the holodeck." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay." Yeah. Vulcan uh, so, love slave. Yeah. But unfortunately, we got 10 forward again. Uh, they're getting some good use out of this bar set. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, they, they, some bastard had to build that in a day. We did this a season ago. We're going to use it. Um, so Picard goes behind the bar, does the very sneaky safety protocol, yeah, uh, and then whacks out a gun. And then we get another terrific back and forth between Roe and Picard again. And you can tell it's the tension's boiling over. Um, and it all leads to basically Roe saying that, you know, 30 years, she felt betrayed, he felt betrayed. Mm. But she does, she takes the upper hand and lowers a weapon. Yeah. Um, and then he lowers his weapon too. And then she just says, look, I believe 
Starfleet is uh, is compromised at the highest level. Do you trust me? Yeah. And just the facial expression that Patrick Stewart has with this. Yeah. Where he's like, and he just looks and he looks and he just goes, yes, I do trust you. Those and two. It, yeah. That weird thing, that weird realisation between them, like just him going like, hey, you massively betrayed you, betrayed me. However, you know, he does still trust her. And it's like, you know, that that that's almost as good as the silent scenes we've had in the se- mm, series yeah. so far. The idea of that kind of actually like it, it doesn't feel bullshit like a lot of other stuff like a lot of other shows where it just goes oh yeah i magically trust you now because of this random thing you said this kind of feels earned and yeah i love that but but yeah the the and the conversation they have it feels like they're like getting all of this tension out the way Mm. and it's so much exposition so quickly it's like the equivalent of shaw's moment from the last episode and it's just fantastic writing and the the idea that you realize that actually she's not a changeling, she hasn't brought him here to like shoot him or something or replace him, mm. and she's done it because she literally needs to speak to him without anyone else being around, in a place that probably isn't going to be monitored. You know? Yeah, it's 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 beautiful. The 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 back and forth between them is is absolutely beautiful, and the it it's it works because these two characters have a history. And there is that animosity um, between them. And even after yeah. all that, even after Picard is so furious that this person betrayed his trust, he still goes back and says, yes, I do trust you. Yeah, I, I love it. It's it's the depth of it. Mm. It's, it's absolutely... I, possibly one of my favorite scenes. Possibly one of my favorite yeah. scenes. Um, I'm, just, I'm just so happy that we got a Ro Laren redemption arc because I didn't think I needed it, but then as soon yeah. as she appeared, I was just like, "Oh, actually, you know, yeah, it's this a is loose what I end wanted." That needed tying up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there we go back to Metallis Prime with Worf and Raffi, uh, both on the knees, um, and Crin. The, the Vulcan crime boss. I, I love it, though, where he's talking about, like, you know, going, you know, they're like, Vulcans don't tend to do crime. And he's like, well, it's logical. You know, it's yeah. perfectly criminal enterprise is logical. Yeah. yeah. And it is. And it's like bootleggers. It's this idea of going, yeah, actually, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> but we've never thought about it before. It's great. It's again, it's terrific writing where it's like he's a dick, but he's got a point. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I like that type of writing where it's like, yeah, you hate the character, but you also love the character because he does raise some valid points. And he's like, yeah, uh, this type of thing needs a criminal enterprise. So it's only logical. And it's like, oh, damn, I hate you, but you're so right. Um, <laughs> but then he gets them to uh, fight to the death. Yeah. And even is, goes, you know, really? it's fair. That, that's what I do with new people I've just met. Yeah. He's like, fight to death, really so cliche. And I'm like, oh, okay. So at least you know it's cliche. Um but then, you know, Worf brings up what he says when they were dueling on the uh, the La Serena, where it's just like, you know, uh, enemies' aggression shows their weakness. Um, and then they they fight to the death. And then um, great little dueling scene again. And Rafi just shanks Worf. <laughs> yeah, shank. Shank. And Worf is dead. Yeah. Duh. Eh. Duh. 
de, et de R.I.P. in peace. One <laughs> up there with the angles and Princess Di. <laughs> up, there, so then, up there with Princess Di. Up there with with that queen. With the angles. With the angles, and then we go back to uh, the Titan, uh, mm. where they are still looking for Jack. Um, and then we get this nice little exposition uh, from Raw, where she's basically, you know, she believes that changelings have infiltrated every single part of Starfleet. Um, yeah. that there's been 12 incidents of changelings aboard starships in the last few months, but they've been kept quiet. Mm. Um, and then she goes, you know, do you know about Frontier Day, which is like the, the 250th anniversary of Starfleet, uh, or the, the, the Federation or Starfleet, both, I, I would say. And she's like, the, you know, the fleet's got to be on shore, it's got to be on display, but yeah. the security plans are kept confidential. So she's like, no one but the highest level knows yeah. what's going on security-wise. And she's like... Which is suspect in... as all fuck. <laughs> well, yeah. But the, they're all interested in all... They're all interested in Jack. And she's mm. like, why would they be interested in Picard? I like, well, I have, I have no idea. I mean, Picard's only known him for two bloody days. Yeah. So, of course, he's not going to know. Um, and then we get the reveal that Raw is Worf's handler, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, um, it ties it ties it back because I was always wondering how they were going to play the Wharf and Raffi stuff with Picard and uh, mm -hmm. the rest of them stuff. So it's a uh, weird like one though because I saw this and I was like, how does he know who she is? Because you know, like it, it seemed a bit odd. Like I'm wondering, is is Ro his handler or are they just connected sideways? You know, like like because the problem is obviously like when we see uh raffi and wolf try to communicate wolf's uh, get to wolf's handler earlier it's totally anonymous mm. so i'm like well if he knew it was ro then why <laughs> you know like so i i don't yeah. know i i wouldn't i don't want to say that that's the relationship they have but i like the idea of them still having a relationship maybe it was an encrypted transmission and he chose not to say anything Maybe, maybe he didn't trust yeah. Raffi to know that it was Roe or oh, something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, could, could, could have. Uh, another shout out to Admiral Janeway again. Yeah. Uh, in this little scene. It, it's seeming very much like they're going, hey, Voyager fans. Who's <laughs> coming exists. back? It's in yeah. canon. It's in canon. It's in canon. Um, <laughs> but then obviously we, we get that and then it goes back to uh, what? I can't deal Raffi. with uh, Picard and Janeway being mates because they've never been in the same scene yet, have they? They have. Have they? Nemesis, Star Trek Nemesis. Admiral Janeway tells him to. Uh, oh yeah, but that's like how do you like fancy a... a trip to Romulus? <laughs> but isn't that like just over a telephone? Like, oh yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they haven't been in the same room. So like you know, like um, I've totally forgotten her name. Admiral Janeway. Get the the actress. Uh, Kate Mulgrew. Kate Mulgrew, how did I forget that? No, you know, but we've never seen Kate Mulgrew and Patrick Stewart in the same room physically, you know, for an episode. Could the room kind of handle Like, they could have just filmed that totally separately, you know. Could you, could the room handle so much big D energy from Kate Mulgrew and Patrick Stewart? No, they literally, it would just be, there'd be ruptures, there'd be ruptures, that's what would happen. But There'd be coffee everywhere. Well, there'd be tea. coffee and tea everywhere. It'd be oh, gray and there'd be tea everywhere. Chalk that's, and cheese. That's, that's, that's how the fight would be. Oh my god, you know, Earl Grey. She's like coffee. coffee, black, and then ah. Oh, the old. And then and then he is like, and then Cisco just appears, and he's like, Rack to Gino. Rack to Gino. 
Oh, that that's a great meme, that isn't it? It's just like Picard's <laughs> like tea, coffee, and Cisco's just sat there nonchalant, going, "Rap did you know?" <laughs> um, I have derailed everything again. I am happy. I'm it's loving the. De- I'm loving the derail. <laughs> I am loving the derailment. Um, but we go back to Worf and Raffi again, uh, where they're like, "Confirm he's dead! Yay! Or oh, he did! Or oh, he did!" And then yeah. Crin's like. Klingon blood, it makes me sick. And I'm like, okay, dude, calm down. We get it. That sounds like an emotion. <laughs> it does sound like a very logical Um so the cart off uh the cart off wolf's body, and then Krin's basically is like, You work for me now, Raffi, and if you don't, I'm gonna murder your son, your your ex-husband, your granddaughter, your dog, your goldfish, and I might put your windows through as well. He said, I'm gonna shit on your porch. Um, yeah, it is the like, logical way. Actually, it no, it's turning into uh, the eagle from the Muppets. It is the logical way. <laughs> I look. Uh, yeah, Crin, Crin was a good uh, was a good character, and I say was because there is a power cut, and guess who gets shanked? All of his crew. Because <laughs> yeah. da 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 knife. There's yeah. Wolf. Were you um, not even slightly worried that Wolf might die? No, because they ruined it in the trailer. Ah, oh, boo! I, I was like, going, really? Are they going to do this? But yeah, yeah, it was it was ruined in the trailer. Yeah, and I, and I love again a little bit of wolf comedy, where he's like, "You were dead," and he's like, "I've learned the Kalos technique where I can reduce my theta." Can we skip this because I'm losing a lot of blood? Yeah, he's like, "I'm losing a lot of blood." I, I actually <laughs> wrote down the fucking um. What is it? It's like, yes, I am in desperate need of medical medical attention. attention. <laughs> Just, but I love the the writers get Worf. Worf is back to being what he is in TNG in this wonderful yeah. kind of like such a super serious, brutal character is incredibly funny when he says something that doesn't fit that. I think you know it's the idea of him just being this absolute like warrior ninja, but then being like, could we get this over quickly? Because I'm bleeding out pretty badly. <laughs> it's so perfect. It is so quintessential at like TNG Trek, how they yeah. do the writing. And it's it's I have deeply missed this because TNG yeah. Trek had its very unique way of writing. And it's because <laughs> The Shuttle Pod Show. Shout out to the Shuttle Pod Show, by the way, because we're friends on Twitter, and I can't believe I said that. Um, <laughs> you're, you're still beaming about this. I'm so beaming about. You're still, that. you're still, you're still buzzing from us getting to speak to Joe. I am. I'm. I'm, I'm incredibly. But the the Shuttle Pod Show is is run by Connor Trinier and uh, Dominic Keaton from mm-hmm. uh enterprise and uh, the the producers behind it are wonderful people. Um, they. They talk about how when they used to do filming, you could never, ever under any circumstances ad lib or change the script. Really? If you did, if you thought that something would be better, that something would be better if you removed it or added it. Yeah. That was three hours downtime why they called the writers from the production room of Paramount to yeah. come down and talk because Rick Berman and the writers and stuff never attended filming. They were yeah. like, this is the script. You will do this. Mm. And if you don't, I will not be happy. Um, That's crazy. So that, that meant like that, that sort of attention to detail with the script has, has really carried. And you can tell it's Terry Metallis. 
because he's carried that over from when he was on Voyager and Enterprise. Dude, um, I thought though, I thought that Andrew Robinson had a lot of like ad libs with Garrick, you know, or at least you know, you know where he sort of gated up a bit. Like it was, was a like, scene. There was a scene because you know, know the first know. scene. There's, I if they were going, if like Rick Berman was going, hey, we don't want any gay stuff. How mm. did they get that scene? The first scene with Garrick, where he's literally sort of putting his hands on Bashir's shoulders, being sort of like such lovely young gentleman kind of thing. You're just going like, eh. It's fuck, it's man? it goes back to. I, I can't lines, remember. But... It goes back to this. I can't remember the movie, right? And I, I'm sure it's one of the Friday the Thirteenth movies, mm. where there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of homosexual undertones. Are we talking but... about Nightmare on Elm Street two? Yes. Oh Jesus Christ! We yes. could do a full fucking episode, Paul. Paul, if you're still there, we need to do an early up north that's dissecting. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 because my brother did a blog about it and he's like when I started looking into this this is the gayest thing I've ever seen in the devil yes. like literally the main character just has he has a calendar of like like semi-naked men and then a Kate Bush poster and I'm just like who did this set design we did we oh, did do a Freddy to believe this guy has a girlfriend <laughs> we did do a Freddy review but yeah. to, to link what, what I'm basically true, saying okay, yeah, what I'm basically saying is <laughs> The homosexual undertones in that film were never picked up. And it wasn't until 2010 that the director went, Shit, really? And now this is the same with Garrick. This is the same with Garrick. So Andrew Robinson played Garrick as someone yeah. who loved uh, Julian Bashir, who, who was sexually attracted to Julian Bashir. Hmm. Rick well, Berman did not pick he's it up. He's He's a young yeah, doctor. Yeah. He's Starfleet, you know. He he is, and I will get Alexander Siddig on the show, so help me God. <laughs> um, but Andrew Robinson deliberately played it that way. Now, also as well, going back to, and you'll know this scene, it's, it's a later on scene where it's Garrick and Quark, and they are talking about prune juice, mm. where they go, look at this prune juice. I know it's Newcastle Brown Ale, but fuck it. Look yeah, at that, this. It's so Prune good. juice. Well, how do they describe it again? They describe it it's as so like... sickly. It's like the Federation is like prune juice. It's so sickly sweet, but you know what? You learn to love it. That yeah. no, it's not prune juice actually... they're talking about. It is um root beer. Root beer. That's it. Root yeah. beer. Sorry, my mistake. Yeah, like, so oh, root you, beer. you know, but then it's just like, oh, but you get used to it. And that one thing I read is that that scene wasn't meant to happen. Like that scene was they literally just needed a scene to pad out the episode. So they wrote that dialogue. So that's why it's totally not related to anything. It's literally just Garrick was, and yeah. Cork like going, hey, well, how does this situation affect us? But then it's one of the greatest scenes in DS9. Like, and it was like, not planned in the way that they executed it. And it yeah. was one of those where they had they they got someone down from the writer's room, which never happened. Yeah. Um, but but going back to uh, Picard, it's that style of writing that that makes Worf so perfect. Like they have Terry Metalis fully realizes, and the writers fully realize Worf, his character, his mannerisms, and his humor because his humor is dry, but yeah. it nails the scene perfect. Like beheadings are on a Wednesday, yeah. and it's just yes, like uh, the the dress, or you know, the, this or is the... casual. 
Yeah, the the what is it? The um or in TNG or whatever, where just like, how can I prove to you that I'm mortal? Die. Die. Just so brilliant. But obviously, uh, I need a t-shirt saying sort of, you know, good tea, nice house, which is one of my favorite lines. Um, but they they he gets crin by the neck. Um, and it's like, you know, logic things that you would kill me. And he's just like, really? You know, my friend is losing a lot of blood. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then he really, then he realizes uh, that he, that he reveals how we got into Daystream Institute, where it's basically Daystream is guarded by an AI, and it has flaws that are illogical, Moriarty. Um, but he has a device that can exploit those flaws, and he's willing to give it to Worf and Raffi. Hmm. And this again, mm. it's Moriarty. It has to be Moriarty. It's either Moriarty or Law. It has to be Law. It's well, we know. Like, no, the, I think it would be interesting if it was Moriarty. But I have a feel. I don't know. I oh oh, breaking breaking breaking. Law. Yeah. Law is obviously Data. Mm. Data wanted to play a Sherlock Holmes novel but he could beat them easily. So LaForge said, create an AI, create a scenario, a yeah. story, create an AI that could beat Data. Data, yeah. obviously, sadly, up there with the Angles and Princess Di, right? Yeah. But lore is still there. Yeah. Moriarty is the antithesis of lore. So there's guarded mm. by an AI. It's guarded by an AI. But it has flaws. So the AI is law. Yeah. The flaw is Moriarty because Moriarty can beat law. And the device is the storage unit that Moriarty was stored in and kept. Hear me out. Hear uh, me yeah, out. Yeah, okay. This is your always sunny in Philadelphia whiteboard. This, this, yeah. <laughs> this so is, yeah. Hear, like, you know... hear me out. Right. Hear me yeah, out. Just like, ah, ah. Hear yeah. me out, guys. <laughs> Hear me out. So, I'm going to predict it now. This is going to be a goodwill prediction. Goodwill prediction. It's a goodwill prediction. Okay. Okay. I could do it. Everyone's been saying, everyone's been saying, right? Where the fuck's Jody LaForge? Yeah, where where the fuck is Jody LaForge? Jody LaForge, as we know from season from episode one, is head of the Fleet Museum. Yeah. The Fleet Museum has a number of ships, USS Voyager, the Enterprise A, the Excelsior. I believe... All remains of the D after uh, Troy yeah. got to it. They removed the D from Viridian. They put the D in the Fleet Museum. What is still on... the D from the Viridian, okay. They pulled out... Phrases I didn't expect to hear They today. pulled out the D. What, <laughs> what they did, right, because... They recovered the D, put it in the Fleet Museum. What what was kept on the Enterprise D by Reginald Barclay? The storage unit. I was going to say Troy Hentai, but... Uh... Well, that as well. But the storage... <laughs> <laughs> it is Ed Senpai. The storage unit of Moriarty on his travels. Yeah, so actually. The key is either... That's why they need to go. So I think Worf and Raffi will either go to the Fleet Museum or join up with the Titan and go mm. to the Fleet Museum. They then go to the Daystrom Institute, find that the guard is law, 
use Moriarty to beat law to get mm. to find out what was stolen. Let's see if you're right. I think it'd be quite interesting. I think it'd be really interesting if they if they did that. It's yeah. Let's see what happens. But I think my I think the wonderful guys. thing is I I literally this is where I stopped making notes for the episode. I All stopped right. making notes for the episode at this point because I was enjoying it so much. Hmm. I had to go and see something else, so I paused it, and I was really happy that it was basically halfway, and I was like, oh, there's loads more of it. You yes. Know, it it was that wonderful feeling where I was just like, oh, it's not ending yet. It's like, you know, but it's it's so incredibly good. Like this this episode, this season, I'm just, oh, it makes me happy, you know. So after yeah, this. So it does. So basically it's looking like, um, like a... Uh, uh, Worf and Raffi's next bit is that they're going to get into the Daystrom in Institute. Mm. Fingers crossed. And... Fingers, fingers crossed. Yeah. Mm. Um, and maybe the Titan comes and picks them up. We, we don't know. We we don't know. The, the, <laughs> they they get together. We know that. So that's all we know at the moment. But we then go back to the Titan where uh, Picard and Raffi. Uh, oh, I keep saying Raffi. Picard and Raw. Yeah. Uh, leave the holodeck. Sorry, guys. I am so incredibly tired. Um, Picard and Roll leave the holodeck, and the two security guards, sussy yellow jackets, guys, is the <laughs> theme of the season. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. You're a yellow jacket. You are. You are. You are the new red shirt. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, and they say, you know, sir, what's going on? And Ro says, I'll be there in a minute. And Picard, Picard and Roll have this very emotional goodbye. Mm. And she, she, you know, she, she holds her hand and holds his hand, um, and I've got the quote here, and I love the way Michelle Forbes uh, says this. I wish just once that you could look into my heart and understand. I did what I thought was best. All these years, I wish you had known me, and I wish I had known you. And I love that because it was very mm. emotional, and there was genuine emotion. Um, in in Rose's eyes uh, as she left, because the security guards are gone. But where's Jack? And she's like, "We're leaving." And it's like, "Oh, I was like, oh, Admiral Kane, BSG, yes, yeah, absolutely, so hard. God damn it, I'm here for the bastards this season." <laughs> um, and then he sees the he, he sees the the earring, mm. um, and then Picard goes to the bridge, um, and basically says to Shaw. Because Raw tells Picard. Yeah, and I, I love the run. idea of like Shaw never catching a break throughout this entire season, like the poor no. bastard, where like, you know, he's just like, ah, you're going to get, you know, your ass kicked kind of thing. And finally, everything is going to go back to normal. And then Picard turns up on the bridge and he goes, okay, Starfleet is kind of compromised. Changelings are everywhere. We can't trust anyone. And he's just like, no, no, security. I'm not this. <laughs> yeah, and it's just this poor bastard. Right? He's just like, no, I just because, want to get back to being a captain. Because Rose told them that they have to run, and she'll buy them some time. Um, and Picard goes to the bridge and says to Shaw, "You have to trust me. We have to run." And Shaw doesn't believe. Him. And and Reich is basically trying to to step up, you know, step up to Shaw on Picard's side, saying Starfleet's compromised. You know, we we have to run. And then it quicks, it changes to the the shuttle where we see these two uh, security guards just get up, plant a, plant a device on the floor and just beam off. Yes. And then they beam off okay. to the Titan. And you're like, oh no, what what's going on? This is a heart-wrenching scene for me. Hmm. 
This is a you very really heart wrenching like scene. I yes, I really do like Shuttlepod, but it's a it's a heart wrenching scene because it, because of two reasons. One, when we see that device on the floor, we know what's going to happen because we've seen yeah. that device on the with the other shifty yellow jacket, mm. and we go, "Oh no." And then this, you know, raw contacts intrepid can't get an answer. Contacts the Titan, basically says there's a bomb, and I need, I can't beam over. Yeah. And Riker go seven goes. If she moves closer, we can beam her off. But raw knows to give a Titan a head start, she's going to have to do something that inhibits the intrepid from going after them. Yeah. And we get this this lovely communication between the bridge and raw um and she's got this bomb and she's like that's it she's aiming for the port cell. she's aiming for the port cell. and she's like don't yeah. do this don't do this and she's like she's sacrificing herself and god damn it she goes out she hits that in the cell raw dies intrepid starts to to list from mm. the impact with the fact that she she also has a dialogue with picard over the view screen obviously like and it's pretty heart-wrenching that he's just finally awful. realized that actually he can forgive her and he's actually realized that you know all this time they could have actually had a relationship and she's gone it's awful and this is this is my only this this is my only thing for this i i wanted more role mm. I Ro Laren, <laughs> Ro, yeah. you you parvart <laughs> Roll Aaron. Roll Aaron. You're a Battlestar Galactica BDSM. Yes, Admiral, <laughs> Admiral, Admiral, Admiral Dominatrix Fantasy. Admiral Kane. Yes, Pegasus. Um, peg, peg me, sis. There we go. Right. Oh, oh dear. Oh, this is taking an acid. from YouTube. This uh, Roll Aaron was a terrific character in the next generation. Mm. Um, whose arc in the next generation was um, not complete, but it was like the trajectory was there and it was a betrayal. And yes, and it was a frustration for many Trekkies over years where it was like, well, what happened to Roll Aaron? And like I said earlier, mm. the accepted fact was she was wiped out with the rest of the marquee. Um, and there was a, there was a lovely uh, video from what culture, Trek culture, Mm. Um, shout out to John Ferrick, uh, who said what she was one of the most underused characters in Star Trek who had yeah. a lot to Empress Sela is the same. Do you know that they, they are characters that you want to see fulfilled? You want to see an arc, you want to see a, a, a loose end tied up. Yeah. Uh, and Roll Aaron was one of them. Now, yes, we do get a loose end tied up, but I just wish it wasn't within 50 minutes. I wish there was more, even if it was just an episode more. I think, I I kind of feel, not the opposite, but I feel like this was a perfect send-off to a thing that I didn't know that I needed. And yes, mm. it would have been nice to have more role Aaron, but I think the thing that Picard struggles with is using characters. And I, and you know, and I think in previous things where we like, we have like Hugh coming back and then Hugh's yes. dead. And then we have, um, uh, Icheb, Icheb come back, Icheb. and then Icheb was, dead. Oh, that was awful. Yeah, and you and you're going like, don't bring people back and don't do anything with them, you dickheads. You know, like, um, yeah. 
And this really felt like it was 50 minutes, but what a good 50 minutes. Like this, this makes me go, hey, I think I think I'm good for Roel Aaron. Like as in, I think she gets a perfect send off, and I yeah. think it tells her story. Yeah. I was I was really happy with this, but yes, we would like more of her. But then we'd be here all day if we went, hey, because I'd be like, hey, we need more Jadzia. Let's bring Jadzia back somehow, you know. Yeah. And it's that idea of going, oh, you'd never really stop. But I think it was so beautifully done. So such a great send-off for a character that we didn't know that we needed a send-off for because mm. Rose a really important character in Trek because mm. you know when the marquee comes about like I stupidly I saw Voyager before I saw the later seasons of Next Gen yeah so I'd kind of only seen like the first five seasons or something of Trek when it was on TV mm. uh, of TNG when it was on TV and then saw Voyager like you know it hit me at the right time and it was a bit weird that the marquee they seem so different like you don't really imagine that a starfleet person could be part of the marquee and ro laren was like that sort of that like no this is how it happens this is how yeah. someone defects this is how someone changes to a cause and i think that was really important because like i walked away from the you know like the the ro laren episode being like yeah, I empathize with her. Yeah, I can understand why she'd do that. And then to have Picard being so total opposite of what I was feeling was I, I it was very powerful. So she I think she represented everything quite well. It would have been nice to have her in more episodes in TNG. But I think it was... here it's the idea of I like it. You know, like yes, I think if we could get Picard for another five seasons of this quality. Yeah, we could have had her back, but I think when they knew that, you know, <laughs> I think when they knew that it was like only going to be like ten episodes and then moving on to something else, it was so. I mean, don't get me wrong, the the way it played out was was amazingly done. Um, the Paul saying it would be worse if you got too much in the chat. I, I agree. So, I, yeah. I absolutely agree. What I mean, <laughs> another little tidbit for you, Graham. The original trajectory, the original trajectory of Roll Aaron as the producers wanted it, mm. she was going to be the Bajoran envoy for Deep Space Nine. Really? There was there was not going to be a Kieran Reese. The character was originally developed for yeah. Michelle Forbes to transfer from the D to DS9. You love me. Sorry. You I, love it when I say the D. I, I love the D. I will admit that's that. Galaxy that's Clash, young man. <laughs> um, uh, Is that what you're calling it? <laughs> yeah, 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 I wish. Uh, run about um, the <laughs> shuttle pod, more like the <laughs> yeah. That was the original plan for DS Nine. So obviously, DS Nine was. Did between... she just not? To, did she just turn it down or whatnot? There was she was doing too much outside, so she had too much too much work, so she couldn't mm. commit to a full series because she had all the work that she was doing at the time. So mm. they rewritten the character. So they, because if you look at Kieran Reese and Roel Laren, yeah. there's a lot of similar similarities between them both because the character was originally sense. developed. Yeah, so I'm kind of glad 
that Rolaren is so well liked because she was so sparingly used, but when she was used, it was brilliant. Well, this is um, a thing though, and that's exactly what we get in DS9 for O'Brien. Mm. Because that was it, because O'Brien does nothing in like TNG. He literally has a couple of lines, he's quite quite fun. And then he randomly gets married to a woman we've never seen in the show before. Oh, don't mention Keiko. Oh, back to villains. It's Keiko time. <laughs> Stop. Keiko time. No, 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 no. Um, New series, Slice of Keiko, coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Graham hates Fucking Keiko. <laughs> but it was, yeah, so, I mean, same with Chief O'Brien, but it's... Uh, I'm glad that they didn't go that way because Kieran Reese in herself was was a a brilliant character, one of my favorite. So characters. I'm so thankful they didn't do that because yes, yeah. it would have been wonderful to get more Rolaren. However, like I, Kieran Reese is one of the best and most nuanced characters in Trek. Like I'm yeah. so glad, and obviously Nana Visitor. Wow, or how how do you pronounce it? Is it Nana or is it Nana Nana, Nana Visitor? Yeah. Yeah, Nana visitor, yeah. Nana visitor. Paul's just said in the chat there, what if Picard is a changeling with it being the final season? He's a synth. What the he... fuck? What the fuck? Well, technically, he's already, you know, they're already... He's an android. Just... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he can't be anymore. He, he's he's not me where he's got a thousand gimmicks. So <laughs> I I don't think he's a changeling. Um, But no, so this was a... What if Riker turns out to be a changeling? Oh, dip. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Ooh, what a twist. M. Night Shyamalan, what a twist. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, the shuttle explodes, damages the port in the cell, and then in the, fran in, you know, in the frantic panic, the helmsman's going, the intrepid's powering up its shields. We get this lovely Wrath of Khan shield dot thing. I know that's Trek tech geekery yeah. at the highest thing. And I was like, oh, we got the shield things. Um, but then we get this terrific exterior shot of the intrepid just like, rising back up with the sat and I was like, oh shit, she pissed. Yeah. She yeah. pissed. And, it, and then... it's very strange that this scene with the music, with the way it's like uh, shot, you yeah. know, well not shot, but you know it's CGI. But it's basically this is this the first time we've seen a Starfleet vessel as an enemy. Reliant. Oh right, yeah. From, from Wrath of Khan. This is very Wrath of Khan, this well, scene. But, you know, it's that, it's that idea of yeah. basically just being like, wow, okay, we're not used to them being the threat, you know? <laughs> like, Well, it's sort of like, it's it's like equal fussing, isn't it? Mm. Equal, equal, equal power. But I, I love that. That was a that was a, a, a very good, like, if they ended the episode there, that would have been a, a good cliffhanger. But I'm, again, yeah, I really I'm glad, thought I'm, that was going to be the end. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't. Um so then it's, it goes back to basically Riker and, and Picard trying to convince Shaw, even after he's just seen Commander yeah. Laren's shuttle ram into a nacelle, yeah. they're still trying to convince him. And he's like, I think because Shaw's very by the book and he's very, you know, chain of command, this is it. And he's like, he still needs convincing because he's like, no, 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 mm -hmm. they can't be. They can't. Be. And then it's like the, the comms officer's like, they're asking us to surrender. They're, they're, they're charging their weapons. They want us to lower their shields and stuff like that. And he's like, you can feel Shaw, who has always followed the chain of command, which he said in episode one, that yeah. his orders come from higher up. He follows the chain of command. You can see his whole world, if you will, fall apart in front yeah. of his eyes. That, you know, this, this organization that he's dedicated, that he's sacrificed for, is out to get him. 
and he's out to kill him. And he's like, it, it takes Roll Aaron dying for him to go, shit, we need to run. Just poor Shaw. Like, you know, I know we hated him in the first episode, but I, I feel sort of this profound sympathy for this poor character. He's yeah. just been, like, literally, it's like, it, it's it's like a sort of a horse has, like, sped past him and accidentally caught him and just is dragging him across the fucking ground. Yeah. And yeah. that's basically his progression through this series is just being like, hey, let's just it ruin could, your life. But it could make him into a, a better captain. Well, that, to, that's to it. It's the see. idea of what he's learning is the stuff that you don't get by the book. Like, you know, and yes. like, you know, and and I I think it's amazing because it's like, you know, important stuff for a captain. But like, yeah, poor guy. Um, Paul's asked a very good question in... um. Or, yeah, Paul's just said, or a better villain. Mm, imagine. Um, we don't know. This but Paul's asked thing. a very good yeah. question of who do you think is surviving at the end? So I think when we round the podcast off, we should uh, answer that question. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So Shaw comes to his senses and mm-hmm. they, they warp out. And there's a great little dialogue between uh, the three of them where, you know, uh, they're coming for us. And it's like, who's coming for us? And they just go, everyone. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, because you don't know who's who. Let's yeah. be honest. Uh, so well, we don't know are... who's behind it because it's the fact oh. of they don't know. Like, it's the fact of are the changelings actually the main enemy, or are they working yeah. for like Sealer? Are they, you know, are they working? Are they working for Jonathan Archer from the fucking future? You know, it's like shout out. We 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 need Scott Bakula. So someone someone start a campaign. Bring Bakula. Oh, back. We need on. Enterprise can someone, Five. Can someone check if Scott Bakula still looks like hot topless? Oh, he that's, does. That's good. What's going oh, to sway my opinion on this? It's Canon Graham. I can. I can confirm. <laughs> Hold on. It's Canon that Scott Bakula is still hot. Yes, it's Canon. Go on, Memory <laughs> Alpha. I'll tell you. Memory Alpha. Scott Bakula, hot. That's all it says. Um, <laughs> but there we get this. Oh, this I nice... just ruined my search history. Damn it. <laughs> oh dear. Incognito mode. Um, <laughs> we then get this nice scene with uh, Riker and Picard in the observation lounge, where he's just holding the earring, um, and he's you know he's he's devastated. He's, he is absolutely devastated. But then we find out that the earring is an old spy trick because they put it on the eye desk, as Joe yeah. kindly called it last week. Um, and there's all of our investigation. There is our investigation into the changeling, the Rachel so Garrett that's why memorial. she wasn't wearing it because it was too important. Yes, yeah. yes. So it all makes sense now. And then they get an incoming transmission from... Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's equally as shocked to see them. And I, I do love this. It's like, Worf, old friend. And I'm like, oh, Riker's calling Worf an old friend, even though he just absolutely belittled him for 20 years on the Enterprise. Well, it's it's also the idea of basically uh, he doesn't, he's not referred to as Commander Worf or like Captain Worf or, mm-hmm. you know, what what's his actual title in the Klingon Empire? Um, it's like Ambassador Worf. Yeah, he calls him Mr. Worf because that's what uh, like Picard always called him. Always referred he, to him as Mr. Wall. Always referred to him as like sort of, yeah. I, I liked I liked that Picard used to do that because it was sort of... It made him I, not an alien. It, yeah. made, it humanized him more than like... Because he, he used titles for everyone else, but for some reason with Wolf, he gave him a very human designation, I think. They did this in uh, the original series because he used to call him Mr. Spock. Yeah. Uh, you know, And I like that. And it's the idea of it's subtly going, he's an alien. But he's accepted as part of the family kind he's, of thing. Yeah, he's he's one of us. We see him, and he is 
you know, he is Mr. Mr. Wolf and Mr. Spock. And I, I enjoyed that. Um, and then the final scene, it's Jack. Um, because Jack's walking down a corridor mm. and there are four changelings, but he doesn't know they're changelings. Yeah. And he essentially, he gets activated, shall mm. we say? And then he goes full um, ninja. Basically. He, he goes full ninja, and he, he essentially wastes four changelings without even having a scratch. Mm. Um, and they go back, to, you know, they go up to sick bear, and even Shaw's like, "Damn kid, four people, like, and like, four people, a good shot." Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, and 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 Beverly has a has a quiet word, you know, she kind of speaks to Jack alone. And she's like, I notice you're not sleeping. And Jack's like trying to shrug it off. But you can see he's trying to, he's struggling to, to hide this now. Yeah. And he's like, something's something's wrong with me. And she's like, you took down four changes. Because he's like, this is the thing. I didn't know they were changelings. <laughs> I see. The problem is that in, in, in worse hands, that could have been the funniest line in the entire world. You know, like, what is it? Oh, um... yeah, yeah. What what's the line from The Simpsons where it's just like, oh my god, you killed zombie Flanders? Wait, Flanders was, was a zombie, zombie? <laughs> you know. You know, it yeah. felt like that. You know, it, it and did. if it had been done, acted badly, it could have come across that way. So I think we may find possibly next season, you know, more details about Jack. Mm. But I do, I do have one last theory on Jack. Mm. And hear me out on this: this could be a stretch, but this goes back to. Um, Next season? Next episode, sorry. Um, oh, it, it goes, goes back to next episode. No, so I, I mean, it could be explained <laughs> in the, the next future. episode. Okay. No, this the, my theory goes back to the, the first scene where we hear the multiple voices, as you, as you claimed with Beverly, mm. I thought it was Baddick, uh, where they say, join us, connect us. Now, Jack is John Luke's biological son. Or we, are, mm. we, we believe <clears throat> it's, it's John Luke and Beverly's biological son. Yeah, I believe the biological Jean-Luc, who was assimilated, has transferred part of his Borg DNA mm. into Jack. Mm. So let's. So you know, it's it's well established that. When... I mean, it would make sense with them bringing up like Locutus. Yeah, because the fact is, this series is so self-aware and it's so clever that you're kind of going. They couldn't have just put that in as a throwaway. Oh, here's a reference, like like we would have gotten the first two seasons. So yeah, kind of like the idea that they're like, no, Borg are going to be important later on. It's either Borg. I mean, it's either Borg because the way that they said in that first scene, "Join us, connect us, mm. come home." It is either changelings, which I, I doubt because the, the way that they're hinting at it, it's too obvious. Mm. But my other thing, like I said, my theory, and it could be wrong. And if it's wrong, I, I don't mind. If it's Borg, it's quite interesting because it's basically saying, well, we can, because we had this whole Borg reclamation in the, se in the first season where we are making these people human again. We are making these mm. people um, XXBs, as they called them. But to basically say, well, if you choose to have children, they too will also have Borg nanites within them. Uh, did they say that? 
no, but that's what that's what that's my theory. Mm. That because I, I think it's yeah. a great theory. I yeah, I I'm it would be to see if we get there, and it would justify because obviously my my original theory with Jack was they had an affair between season one and season two, and that's why Beverly left yeah. in season two. But if they say well, they, she was they, that wrecked. She was that wrecked. Yeah, yeah, I mean she, I she was. She, she went she to Starfleet Medical for a reason, D, didn't she? Yeah, she yeah. she she became Galaxy Class. She um she sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love that um, I'm the one lowering the tone throughout this entire thing. You're like, let's keep let's keep the tone up here, and I'm just like, get down in the fucking ground, you fucking tone. I'm on the lower decks now. Um, <laughs> this is, but it it would make sense that they couldn't justify what happens to Jack if he was... Because let's... Ed Spielers is 34. So if he was 34 years old, like if if the, if the Jack Crusher was 34 as well, that would play into season one or two, like I said. Yeah. But, but he, yeah, if they're trying to say, well, Jack was born after the events of Nemesis, so he's 21, 22. And the reason why we've done this is because Picard and Jean-Luc had this baby, but Jean-Luc's DNA still had Borg technology in it, mm. and the Borg are still trying to communicate with Jack because they have partly assimilated him. Yeah. And they are trying to bring him back to the hive. I, I think I think your theory, I think I think that might be what it is. My theory is that he is he, I think he is a changeling, but mm. maybe he's part of their evolution. So I think this evolution that's happening is a forced evolution that the mm. changelings are doing and that he's like a mutant or he is a mistake that's happened and that's why they're obsessed with him. Oh. Like, so basically, you know, so, they use box technology. Well, something like that. But it's the idea of we've got to think, why do the changelings want him? Are the yeah. changelings working for someone else? Which I yeah. think they might be, hmm. you know, um, Oh, imagine if they got the female changeling back. They're like, hey, I know it's been 30 years, but do you fancy you just wearing way too much makeup again? I want to see... That'd be crazy. You know, she never even gets a name, but if they brought her back... I want to see the Jem'Hadar. Hopefully. Hopefully we'll get to see a Jem'Hadar or a Vorta or something, but we'll see, we'll see. But it's it's this idea, it's like... Yeah, imagine Paul's just saying in the chat, the end game has got to be Borg, and it's all it's gonna be all the baddies all together. Imagine if it was like a full-on Spider-Man thing where he was just the like Borg oh, Dominion. Yeah, it's Sila working with uh, the female changeling, and they're all working with Luxana Troy, because she's a villain. Um, and they're all working with um that'd be amazing, actually. Keiko. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Keiko. It's all Keiko. Okay. Keiko's the kingpin in this whole situation. Take out Keiko, <laughs> you, they, they fall like dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> the villain reveal is Keiko O'Brien. She's finally gone fucking on Miles. Miles, you want to get a job as Starfleet Command? No, I'm doing research. I don't here. like it here, Miles. You know, it's just like, well, oh, by the way, I'm pissing off to Beijo for six months. Bye. Wait, so I'm not allowed to go to Star. Bye, Miles. Yeah, Miles just being like, oh no, how tragic. You know, how tragic. My wife has been gone for like eight months now. Oh, do you, well. do you want to play darts? Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, overall, again, I'm saying it's Shatner. It's Shatner's Shatner. back from the Nexus. Wow, 92-year-old William Shatner comes back as geriatric octogenarian Kirk. But yeah, but then gets defeated off. by a gust of wind. Yeah. Overall, though, this, and we, we mentioned this uh, in the chat earlier, 
this was a fantastic episode and the trajectory is very rare for Star Trek in the last few years where it has gone excellent, excellent, excellent. It is going uphill every week. And I yeah. still look forward to Thursdays because of the quality, the writing, the acting. Yeah, it's it's this it, this episode was absolutely phenomenal, and I absolutely adored it. Like it 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 made my like my week has been hell, and this episode made everything. I felt giddy afterwards. I literally yes. felt like just sort of going, "Oh, I'm so happy about this!" Like I messaged you, being like, "Oh, that was amazing." Yeah, and I, yeah, and I yeah. I absolutely adore it. It's like. Yeah. Paul's just asked if this gets the goodwill seal of approval. No, this gets the walrus of excellence. <laughs> the, wall, highest, the walrus of excellence. The, the highest award bestowed to any content that I consume. <laughs> um this, I mean, like I said, it's I have never it's it's been about 20, 25 years where I have watched an episode of Star Trek and then re-watched that episode yeah. again because I want to fully absorb it. Cause like the first, the first episode, you just like, you're gobsmacked and you're watching it. You're like, uh, you yeah. look at it. And then the second episode, you're like, okay, I know what happens. Now I'm going to enjoy the, the finer details of that. And mm. to, to really appreciate. Um, and it's not just us because fans around the world are turning to, to Terry Metalis and they're saying, you have to have the keys for all of Star Trek, because yeah. you are making this so well, we want more, and we want you to make more series. There's a petition yeah. online that has, I think it's currently 8,000 signatures. Well, no, it was 8,000 signatures when I saw it two days ago, so I think it's no higher way. than that now. Yeah. Wow. And, it, and that says, I mean, Trekkies have a long history of if we petition, if we say we want it, and Paramount listen, yeah. it always bodes well for them. Like we we are we are the fan base that got NASA to name a shuttle Enterprise. <laughs> like we carried NASA to say do this. Yeah. Um we got Strange New Worlds, um, which is you know next to Picard as a fantastic, very original series-esque. TV show and it is wonderful. The cast are wonderful. It's an ensemble cast, which is what everyone loves about Star Trek. Mm. So we've got, you know, you think the, the caliber of Star Trek at the moment, you've got Lower Decks, which is sublime comedy and love, Strange New Worlds, which is just its original series and done with love. And then you've got Picard, which is just the apex of what Star Trek should be. And what yeah. the, you know, the potential of this is what Star Trek can be, and this is it gives you hope, it gives you terrific storytelling, and it, it provides you with acting that it's so hard to come by these days. Yeah, I don't know if you've got any more thoughts. No, I, I think that's probably a good point to end on. To be fair, like we'll go on to Paul's question, but I think it's the idea of this episode is. You know, the, this episode and Picard season three is very, very much like, you know, wow. Like, it, it, it rekindles my faith in Star Trek because obviously, like, we kind of, and I, in, 
mentally enshrined, like sort of obviously next gen uh, DS9 and Voyager. And I was just like, this is it. We will never get anything more like this. That's the universe. Because I don't really go into the supplementary stuff. I don't play Star Trek online and don't go into the novels and mm. things like that. So it's just going, okay, that's Kira Nuisa's plot. That, that's it. There's nothing more. Yeah. And now realizing, wow, okay, they actually have people in charge that can continue that without shitting on it. You know, like, because obviously yeah. I really didn't like, I, know, I think Paul likes them, but I really didn't like the bloody, you know, the, the lens flare movies. Like, because I was yeah. a bit like, why are these here? You know, like, they didn't help yeah. anything. If you're an existing fan, you'd hate them. If you're not an existing fan, then the universe isn't particularly big. So you can't really watch the other stuff because yeah. it's not relevant. You're like, why are you doing this? Why does this yeah. exist? You know, it's like I, the Resident Evil films, you know, where you just go like, who is who are you trying to please with this? All you've done is piss people off. Why didn't you just make it a new franchise? I think, but, um, I think with the specifically uh, Lower Deck Stranger Worlds and Picard, prior to them, Star Trek... And, and I, I don't get me wrong about this, guys. I am not shitting on Discovery because without Discovery, we wouldn't have this. I will uh, shit on Discovery. Don't worry. But the the problem I had with Discovery was it felt very closed off. It mm. felt like because Star Trek is about it's not just about the crew. Well, it's it's about the ensemble, but it's it's also about the universe. It's mm. like Star Wars, but mostly Michael in, Burnham. Yeah. You have your main, you have your main cast, but like Star Wars, it's about the world mm. because this is an a, an active, vibrant world, and stuff happens that you don't. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a yeah. universe that you want to explore. With Discovery, it it felt very closed off, and it just felt very focused on this crew and Michael Burnham. Mm. What I think what they've learned going I think the, that... the other thing is with Discovery is that they brought too many new things in. Like, you know that thing where you can tell that someone doesn't know the universe because they have mm. to keep creating new things, where they yeah. kind of go, hey, you could have... How random, little spider. Sorry. Hello. Come on, spider. <laughs> Literally just got this little blur at the side of my vision. This little... Oh, oh no, he's trapped. He's gone. He's somewhere. Okay. Oh yeah, tiny, tiny little money spider, just literally there. Um, but yeah, uh, but with what was I saying about you know where basically you know where they just go? Oh well, yeah, we could have the Romulans in, but we don't really know how to use the Romulans. So let's create a new race and have them in, or yeah. let's have Klingons that don't really act like Klingons or look like Klingons. Like, okay, cool. And you know when you have to change all this stuff, you're like, why are you doing this? Couldn't you have just made something new? Yeah, and, and I think that's the problem, because obviously, and then what we're having with this season of Picard is going, hey, we've got Bajorans, but we know how to use Bajorans. Hey, we've got Ferengi, but we know how to use Ferengi here, you know, and it's just going, oh, good, you know, you're using this rich law. It's like, I don't know, it just feels weird to buy, to go into a franchise and then not use any of the toolkit that's already made for you and just keep making yeah. new things. And that's what Discovery did. It kind of just went, here's a race we've never seen before but we're gonna you know it was a strange one because maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm maybe the later seasons no, do no, no. bajoran's justice or do sort of like changelings justice or whatnot but you know star trek has always been about escapism um, and it's escaping into a world that's 
you know, it's it's hopeful. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 a world where hey, Spectrum Sanctorum has joined. Oh, hey, Joe. hey guys. Hey, Joe. We have been talking for two hours about this latest episode. I yeah. won't shut up. <laughs> um, Star Trek has always been about escapism into a world that is full of hope and positivity. And, you know, it, it's a world that a lot of people would love to be in. And part of New Trek has, has underused that. But I think with Lower Deck, Strange New Worlds and, and Picard, they've sort of, and, and to uh, Prodigy as well, sorry, um, they've sort of realized that it's, there is a whole world that they can use and that they can utilize. And this, this season has sort of been like, oh, you, you want con- a continuation of TNG? Yeah, well, we'll just pick up. And it, it yeah. feels, it feels like the next generation season eight for me. Yeah, and and like like I was saying when we had Joe on the podcast, it's the idea of it feels weird calling this a podcast when it's a video thing. I don't know, but it's but you know when and it's just the idea of it's such a shame that we've had the two first seasons of like Picard and we're like oh bollocks that why couldn't we yeah. started like this like it felt why like could this we is have started like lucky, this you know yeah yeah because uh, it does genuinely like you're saying it feels like season eight where you're just going whoa okay we're actually continuing these things and and all these crazy dreams i had of going oh wouldn't it be amazing if we saw like a sealer again or wouldn't it be amazing if they if moriarty came back and you're like well obviously we know moriarty's coming back. but with the sealer thing you're just going this doesn't feel like a crazy idea. Like this genuinely yeah. feels like this could happen, and yeah, it makes me very happy. The yeah, that's it. Uh, Joe's saying it, it's in theory a season eight for TNG, DS Nine, and Voyager. Yeah, and you're like it 100%. kind of is. Yeah, yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent. But I think, I think the future of if if Paramount do listen to the fans and they say to Terry Vintalis, we want you to make more shows. I think the future for Star Trek will be quite bright. And I do think it would not be... Not lens flare bright, though. Not lens flare. Yeah, no, no, no. Cool. But brighter than the bridge. Um, <laughs> and, and I think and anything I, brighter I, than fucking yeah. Shaw's bridge. Fucking Shaw save a couple of pennies on the meter. And, and I think a continuation of the TNG, obviously without the TNG cast or all of the TNG cast, but I think a continuation of that era, which our huh, generation grew up with uh, and that loved so dearly because that was that was 21 seasons. TNG, like the TNG era was 21 seasons. That's a lot of years, you know, of, of, of Star Trek. And I think people want to see that because more than anything at the moment, and this is why Strange New Worlds was such a success last year, more than anything... People want hope, they want optimism, they want positivity, and they want to see the downfall of capitalism. Yeah, they want to (laughs) see capitalism. Jake's gonna love that. Where Paul now starts playing the uh, the communist theme song. But people want to see. (laughs) (laughs) People want to see more than anything at the moment. More than you know, for the obvious reasons that we won't go into. People want hope. Mm. And Star Trek at the moment is giving people hope. And I am I am here for it. I will celebrate it. I will continue to annoy people on Twitter until Elon Musk himself 
physically removes my phone and my laptop from my cold, dead hands, I will continue to shout about Star Trek on Twitter until that happens. Mm-hmm. I am very happy about this episode. I am looking forward to next week. Um, and I think that's probably a good place to end this yeah, review. I, I think it's a I think it's a great place to end. I can't wait for the next episode. Like after the week I have had, you know, and the fact that next week might be equally painful. You know, yeah, hopefully won't the episode won't be as long to work to edit. But yeah, but next week, knowing that Friday I will be able to do this, I will be able to watch Picard. And it's going to be an episode that's in safe hands. It's an episode that I'm really going to enjoy. That's yeah, that it's doing exactly what a show should do. And it's kind of because I had it where like I was so I was so not on, you know, when you're not unhappy, but you know, when you, you, you can tell that it's not actually, you know, when you're depressed and it's chemical. It's basically Contact like it's it's the fact of because you're tired, because you're worn out, because your chemistry's messed up or whatever, that's why you feel unhappy. It's not anything that's actually a, a particular situation that makes you unhappy, you know? Mm. You know when you get that where you just sort of down down and out and you're just like, oh God. And the first thing I did was like restart DS9. Obviously skipped emissary because it's a pile of shit. Um, but Ooh, <laughs> controversial guys, we're we're getting no, controversial sorry. this late into the show. Until until Cisco, until um Avery Brooks goes. Oh wait, maybe I shouldn't play Cisco that way. It's like yeah. episode two, well technically three, and it's fine. But in emissary, it's all a bit like I think you're smiling a bit too much. You don't really. And Odo Odo looks weird for the first five episodes. And Until Quark has a funny like... voice in the pilot. Uh, that was Will he who? was. Quark had a funny voice in the pilot, and Rick Berman said, "Dude, change it," because yeah. Quark Quark talks like this. In the he first couldn't episode. have kept it up for seven no, seasons. No, he would have yeah. ruined his larynx. Um, <laughs> but but I'd this have ruined his larynx. That's some. But I think I think for that. me and you, I think for me and you, watching Picard and doing this and seeing the reception we are getting from people is fueling us and keeping us going, and. Mm. More than anything, we are absolutely thankful for everyone who watches, uh, who comments, who tunes in live. We are absolutely astounded that you would join us and let us share our love of uh, Star Trek in in such a unique way. Um, yeah. And I do have some good news. You have listened all the way through this. <laughs> you crazy! Be, be sure if you tuned bastards. in. If you've tuned in uh, just now, be sure to go back and listen to the Keiko villainry theory. <laughs> Keiko um, is a villain. I'm putting it in a Keiko fucking... Have your Keiko and eat it. They're true villains. If we're going to get all of the baddies back for this series, it literally needs to have, like, sort of... It's totally escaped my memory. We, you know, we need all of them. We need, like... Oh, the Breen, uh, controlled by Luxana. Absolutely. <laughs> Imagine um, we, what happens with the Breen. The Breen literally appear, be like, "Hey, we've got all this technology. Oh, you've built a way to defeat it. Well, that's us done." <laughs> maybe, like, maybe Breen. the operatives. <laughs> maybe the operatives on the Shrike are Breen because they mm-hmm. do sound like the Breen. Imagine uh, that'd be no. Stop it. Stop it. Let, let's not yeah. get too wild. But um, so, let's go to Paul's question and let's answer that before we finish. Okay. Oh, I do have a bit of good news before we do, though. We are live next week as well. Are we live next week? Yay! We are live next week. So Thank let's you, get Paul, to Paul's for having question. nothing better to put on. <laughs> <laughs> let's get to Paul's question, shall we? Go on then. You go first. 
Yeah, um, okay, so Paul asked in the chat earlier, for people who just tuned in, cough Joe, um, who do we think will survive the series this season? My guess is, is that we've already tempted fate with Wolf, so it's not going to be Wolf. I think it's Raffi. I think Raffi's going to die. I think... I think Raffi's going to die. Seven's not. Picard will probably die. I think he's done with it. I think, you know... Um, oh, really? Yeah, I think I think basically we're going to get... Uh, well, that's why they go, hey, this is the third season. This is, like, this is the end. And I think they're doing it where they're going, hey, we're closing Picard off so that we can go, here's a Riker spin-off. Here's a Seven spin-off. Here's a Shaw mm. spin-off. Mm. I feel that would be normal to go because he's... Patrick Stewart's probably sick of it now. He's like, hey, yeah. I'm great. Oh, this is actually three seasons. Um, uh, who else? Um, I think they need to... Well, Picard... Hmm. I don't think Jack's going to survive. Really? I think I think, I think. think Jack is going to go the whole, like, oh, he's actually a robot or something, or I don't know. Okay, they're my three. They're my three. I don't think Jack's going to survive. I don't think John Luke's going to survive. And I don't think Raffi's going to survive. How about you? Okay. I'm going to be controversial. I think they're all going to survive. What? I think <laughs> because during the press circles, as they did before the build-up of Picard, Terry Metallis and all the crew were saying, you know, no one's safe. No one's safe. Yeah. We're not saying that people are safe. We're not saying That's that people exactly from... what someone would say when everyone was safe. <laughs> yeah, we're not saying that people from the Next Generation crew are safe. And I'm like, okay, so people from the Next Generation crew are not safe, but Roel Laren has just died. I think Roll Aaron. She was a traitor. That's because she betrayed Starfleet. I think Roll Aaron, possibly, possibly, and I, but it's highly doubtful. You can't retroactively call out that you think Roll Aaron's going to die when she's literally just died. No, no. But what I mean is, like, from the TNG, from when they said the TNG okay. crew North was safe, you know, obviously Roll Aaron has now died, so that's TNG crew. Other than that, and it's it, again, I think it's highly doubtful, Jack. Mm. But I don't think none of them, I, I don't think any of them will. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I think it it would be it would be very nemesis to do that, mm. where we lost data. It would be very nemesis to do that, and I think it was well, a, a subdivision. <laughs> well, no, but then we lost him again, just to twist I, the knife a bit. You know? I think, I think when it comes to data, I think when it comes to data, because obviously B four is in uh, storage at Daystrom. Data did download his memories to B four on the Enterprise E Nemesis. Yeah, I think data may come back. Mm. I, I think I think it's true. I think it might be something where if law's in it, it might be that they need to bring data back to sort law out. Yeah. And then we get an actual conclusion to the family, effectively. Yeah. But I I And think... then we ignore all of the bullshit extra characters that they brought into the family in season one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just be like, oh yeah, there's this whole lineage there. Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't one. think. I don't think anyone else is going to... I don't think anyone else is going to die. Joe, I may I'm be wrong. You're, I'm hoping you're nodding. I'm, I'm hoping Joe's at home being like, yeah, fuck those things. If, if Jordy <laughs> dies after I've waited five goddamn weeks to see him, I will be so desperately unhappy. What if he appears, starts an episode of reading, reading Rainbow and then just gets shot? 
Then I'm going to just unsubscribe from Amazon. Prime. What if he dies in a transporter accident as he's coming into the episode? A good engineer takes a shuttle. So that's that's what that's, that's and Pulaski. How I'm play and Pulaski. Oh goddamn, Pulaski! I'm, I'm here for Reginald Barton. I think where maybe what what's going to happen is Sealer's going to appear, then get killed, but then the actress is going to come back as another character, <laughs> just to keep the cycle going. I. <sighs> yeah, Slicey boy. Hey, Slicey boy. Oh, hey, Slicey boy. Slicey I, boy. I think. Of boys. I I think. Yeah, like I said, I I don't think they're going to kill off anymore. We don't know though because we didn't expect Roland. No one expected Roland. <laughs> no um, one expects Roland. Um, she came on the show. Is she Bajoran? Who knows? Is she the Spanish Inquisition? We don't know. <laughs> um, the but I this is this is the beauty of this series. You cannot guess right because yeah. the curveballs that were being thrown out, but they are done so well. And it's like people say, Where's Johnny? Where's Johnny? But that's it. I, I'm just happy with what they get. Like, it's this idea. Like I said last week, I'm happy to wait for Geordie because I know that they'll do him justice when they do it rather yeah. than just chucking him out there and be like, It's Geordie. Look at They him. are you fluidly know. introduced into the series and not just going, Look, it's everyone on episode one. And I like that. Yeah. I, I really do. I like think it's that. really good because now we've got Worf in, like, Worf is connected with the rest of the crew. And now you're kind of going, oh, great. You know, like, actually, that's fluid. That's It's good yeah. that they're reuniting that way rather than just like, you know, oh, we're going on a mission. Let's phone up Worf. Let's phone up Beverly. You yeah. know, like, and I know that's how TNG ends, like, effectively with him being like, hey, let's call everyone up. But they had yeah. two episodes to do it. Um, but again, this one, it's so fluid that I know that when we get to Geordie, when we get to... Uh, law, it's going to be worth it. <laughs> I I cannot wait, and I think I think we're, I think it's time to wrap it up. Um, yeah. Oh, so, well, Spicy Boys playing Resident Evil Two. Is it the remake or the original? I'm hoping it's the remake because he's probably in pre- preparation for Resident Evil Four, which is coming out March 24th. Have you seen um, the reviews for that? It's like ten out of ten for everything. It's and shout like, out. Wow. Yeah, shout out to the team. I ain't playing that on Twitch. Get Paul to do it. I ain't playing. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I, I want to play it because I want to murder Spanish zombies. Or Castellan well, zombies, I suppose. That's the accent. You you can do it on a Nerdy Up North channel. Um, <laughs> I, I won't be doing that. Um, play the remake. To, Good play the remake yeah. They're both amazing, but yeah. Okay. So, guys, uh, that was our review of uh, Season 3, Episode 5, Imposters of Star Trek Picard. Coming up, coming up this week, um, we have on Sunday, we have Nerdy Up North's top five American sitcoms. I, again, am on the episode. That will be my fifth time I've been live. Why the hell there is no restraining order against my face on YouTube, I don't know yet. Uh, We'll soon find out. I have got demonetized because of your face. Yes, I should. I really hope so. <laughs> that would be so funny. Um, it why curly? What's on this strip? I don't know. Just demonetize him. Uh, so uh, yeah, top five American sitcoms. I hope you can join us. That will be at seven thirty p.m. UK time, which will be 
3.30 p.m. Eastern Time and 12.30 p.m. Pacific Time. See how I'm getting all international with this guy? And, and if we were correct with um, the Star Trek dates, it'll be point, <laughs> point one four. <laughs> oh, God, some some arbitrary minus star date. I, I don't bloody know. Okay. Um, um, I am... Yeah, uh, you can catch me the, at the Velvet Snatch. I will not be doing mm. a stream on Twitch tonight because I have to go through to Newcastle because I have a big weekend of working because it is a big mm. rugby event and I have to be there being the press correspondent and interviewing everyone. So tomorrow will be agony. Yay! <laughs> but I get to go through Newcastle and be in a, uh, a free hotel tonight, which is great. Oh, um, wunderbar. Yeah, so for like two hours and then I have to get up and start getting ready. But yeah... Oh, um, yeah. But yes, uh, yeah, but I'm doing my series called Snatch Talk. So if you want to keep up with that and what's happening in Newcastle Drag Idol, which is a competition, uh, search on YouTube for The Velvet Snatch or Snatch Talk or Drag Idol. Or, or they can click on the links below because oh, they're in the, the description. In the description. Like, I didn't even yeah. look. I didn't even oh, see oh, down there. If, you, if you look at our lovely description, lads oh, and lasses. Oh my God, you've got all the links and stuff. Oh, that is so We cool. have. Oh, so we uh, saw so top five American sitcoms on Sunday, which is going to be very exciting. My first ever top five, and I'm bricking it. Uh, Tuesday, fingers crossed, I may be doing Far Cry 5 again, part nine, I believe, of, of that, part nine. Yeah. So the old uh, the old unicorn headband of justice will be making an appearance. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, so you can follow Graham. Let me just get those links back up there because I can't read without. So you can uh, follow Graham on YouTube as The Velvet Snatch. He's also on Twitch as Sinoise, so it's twitch.tv forward slash Sinoise. You can S-Y-N-O-I-Z. Yep, Sinoise. You can also follow me on Twitter. Please do. I just talk Trek shit <laughs> all day, every day. Uh, if you like that, come and give us a follow. I'm on Twitter at Goodwill None. Follow Nerdy Up North uh, on Facebook. We are facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash the Nerdy Up North community. Uh, sorry, Nerdy Up North community, not the. Uh, Instagram, we're on instagram.com slash Nerdy Up North. They also have a Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Nerdy Up North. Give them a follow. Give them a follow. because Give them a cheeky follow. Like. Give them a cheeky follow. Um, and yeah, that is it, guys. Thank you so, so much for spending your Friday night with me and Graham. We love you all. All do you want to say anything? Carnally, carnally. Um, no, I have nothing to say. I've said far too much in this, that's why it's lasted like two and a half hours. But yeah, thank you very much, everyone who's uh, tuned in. It's been absolutely lovely. I love being live because I like the little chat, um, going oh, along the chat and whatnot. Yeah. But yes, yeah, no, cool. And we will be doing this again next Friday, and then hopefully next Friday, I will be able to stream afterwards on Twitch. But yep, I will not be doing it today <laughs> or this oh, weekend because I'm baby. He's very funny on. He's very funny on Twitch. Um, let's just hope <laughs> his chair hangs out uh, this time. Oh, a new chair! New he's, chair. he's got a brand new break chair. It in. Uh, literally break, break it being in. Being a bad word. Yeah. But no, guys, thank you so much for everyone who's watching, and we will see you next week. So bye-bye. Yeah. Nice meeting you, Slicey Boy. Tune in next Friday. <laughs>